Welcome to Game Face, episode 295 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your humble host for the next couple hours of video game discussion. And alongside me, I have my cohort, Matthew Kyle. What's going on, Matt? Uh, not much. Back, back from Arizona. Yeah, you had a big weekend this weekend, right? Yeah, we went to the to premiere one of the short films at the Phoenix Film Festival, um, which is good. Yeah, we got it done and uh, did our Q&As and such. Uh, it is still going on, but we didn't want to stay for ten days in Phoenix. Um, There's a, it's ten days. Yeah, the fir- the first weekend's a lot of short films, international stuff, and then like they do a lot of the features next weekend. Mm-hmm. So our sh- our movie is actually our short is actually playing uh, Friday and Sunday still at, at Phoenix, but we're not. We're not and you're not going to be there, there. <laughs> which is fine. Yeah, I mean, but um, uh, yeah, it's uh, went okay. Um, people, it's the first time we'd shown it to people who didn't work on it. So it's uh, how did that feel? It was good. There, people reacted well. Um, Were you really nervous about it? No, no, no. I've I've shown my work to people a lot. Yeah, yeah. In these years, so I mean, working know. in the industry we've, we've worked in, yeah. you're used to it. But still, there's got to be at least a little bit of butterflies, right? No, no, not really. I mean, we made what we what we made. Are you happy um, with it? How it came out? All yeah, I'm happy with it. It's not of the two. Uh, the other one is kind of more mine. Like, you know, I helped write that with the other one and, and was more involved in that. This was. Uh, Brian, the director's kind of pet project. You know, the it's the Tango film. Oh yeah, Cabaseo. Um, but uh, a lot of people liked it in the sense that it was different. Like a lot of the other shorts, certainly in our block, were very, very heavy oh, know, really? material. And like suddenly, you know, like fifteen minutes of gloom and doom. Yeah, suddenly it was just like, oh, they're just going to do a Tango. Cool. It's like, <laughs> and uh, a lot of people, a lot of people said it, they it, they thought it was refreshing to see that. And one one guy was super, he's, he's like, oh, he's like, oh my God, when like the rhythm started on the thing, I was like, oh, are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? They're doing it. Like he was very, he's very excited. <laughs> That's to make you feel good. Movie. So it was good. And we uh, met up with a bunch of cool people that directed the other shorts. And one guy, it's Italian guy who directed uh, one of the features we saw, the Grand Bolero, who was really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that movie was really good. If you can find the Grand Bolero, it's a Italian film about, um, uh, people, uh, Restoring and maintaining a pipe organ in a church in Italy, uh, like a five thousand pipe pipe organ. Oh wow! And uh, they recorded all the stuff actually there, and like they 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 put microphones inside the pipe organ and recorded everything that way, and did and oh, it, was wow. all play, it was all played on site and stuff. It's very you know very impressive stuff. Um, and it's all set during the pandemic, so it's like oh, wow. it's like the first movie I've seen where like it uses the idea that everybody has to be locked in the same place they started in uh-huh. as like a plot point of why no one can get away from each other. Oh, kind of thing. interesting. So that was fun. Um, yeah, and congratulations. That, That's a big thanks. milestone, man. And they uh, also they are doing a. It's called a second like audience award. It's called Donor's Choice. So if you want, uh, you can go to the Phoenix Film Festival website and they have to go to the Donor's Choice section. And you can vote for Cabaseo for a dollar per vote. You have to pay for the vote. It's a, it's a donation to the to the film festival. Oh, okay, so that's like, kind of cool. You can, if you want to flood the ballot box with like a hundred votes, you can just pay a hundred bucks. So. What's the name of your film again? Just to make sure people get it right. Cabaseo. Cabaseo. C a b e c e o. It's a it's it's Spanish. It's a, an Argentine tango slang for um, uh, it literally means head nod. But what it means in tango slang is uh, when you see someone across the room you want to dance with and you 
do that ah. head nod at them, and if they nod back, it's on. Like oh. that's, that's what that means. Cool. So originally it was titled Three Minute Romance, but it ended up being eight and a half minutes long, so uh-huh. we couldn't call it that anymore. <laughs> you didn't want to change yeah. it to eight and a half minutes. Eight and a half minute romance is a little less... Uh... People might remember that, though. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. Um, people do remember this one. It's just more of a... That thing, that, what was the C one? The, the tank? Yeah. Like, so yeah. It's, it's the one that no one can remember, which is almost... <laughs> but they do remember? Yeah, you remember it, but you don't remember the title. Uh-huh. And then it's like, but you know, it's it's fun. it's also fun because you get to teach someone like that little tango fact. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's it. And the other one will probably be premiering uh, pretty soon as well. But we have to finish it. It's got some yeah. got some visual effects that aren't done yet. Oh well, I'm very proud of you, Matt. And we're gonna be in that one. So. Yeah. Because the the one of the visual effects is the background of the bar has a TV in it that is, plays a role in the plot. But we but we need like stuff rolling in the in the TV. And originally we were going to use the dance film. You were going to oh. finish the dance film, cut it in there. We put and we put it in there, and we're like, the only thing anyone's looking at is the dance film because oh, right. it's colorful and rapidly yeah, cut, and yeah. it's tons of movement. <laughs> so you're not looking at the foreground actors; you're looking like what's yeah. back there. And we couldn't. So you had think... to put something boring in there, so right? Slid game we, face in there. So we, and we tried like raw footage. Of it. it was still too kinetic, and and we're like, what can we do that's like free? And, and uh, I'm like. Why don't we just use footage of our podcast? Yeah. It's just me and Shane talking to each other, and it look it was supposed to be a news channel at the end of the at the end of the uh, movie. So, uh-huh. like, it would make sense just to have two talking heads sort of yeah. going back and forth on it. And so we put that in, and it was like perfect. That nope, works. I don't care what's <laughs> happening back there. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious so. well i'm glad you guys care we got a bunch of people in our chat cinetyke giving us a bunch of bits already thanks guys that's awesome um and again congratulations matt i'm really mm-hmm. proud of you i know you're downplaying it to me i feel like it's a really big deal that you've done this so yeah i mean it's just like it's you know we shot it two years ago yeah and it just feels it's i'm so used to it existing yeah, by yeah. now it's just like yeah we'll see and we'll see where it goes to me it's a big deal yeah. so congrats man uh let's see what's going on for housekeeping this week before we get going uh, we need Pactor Factor questions. It's everywhere right now. You can find it on our Twitter feed at uh, twitter.com slash siftedgames. You can find it on Sifted. It's on the homepage right now. Uh, you can find it on our Patreon at patreon.com slash sifted. And if you are not a patron and you don't go to Sifted, you can also find the call for questions at youtube.com slash siftedgames. And then just click the community tab and you can uh, ask questions there. Um, you can also just reply to our tweet that we sent out. There's a million ways to do it. Uh, we're shooting on Thursday, so we got about a day, day and a half to get those questions in before we go and shoot the episodes with Pactor. So please do that. Uh, second of all, some people have reached out to me saying that they've had problems with Patreon. I don't know if this is unique to us. I don't think it is. Uh, but it some seems of our- to be something that happened in Europe. Yeah. You know about it, too. Yeah, I saw people complaining about that. Not about us, but like just about in general. Other things. Yeah. yeah, so that's exactly the complaints that we've got. Some of our European patrons, their account or their charges did not go through. Mm-hmm. And then they reached out to their banks or their credit card companies in Europe. And basically, some credit card companies in Europe have deemed Patreon to be unsafe mm-hmm. and would not allow the charges to go through. I personally reached out to Patreon. I was like, what's going on here? And at first, they blew me off and they're like, Every Patreon has people that come and go every Mm -hmm. month. I'm like, lady, I've been on Patreon for five years. I think I know how it works. And I was like, no, you're not getting it. Like, they're saying that some banks in Europe don't trust you guys to process payments. So, Mm -hmm. ultimately, Patreon told me if you are having this issue to contact them, they said at the bottom of any correspondence you get from Patreon, there's a link that says contact. 
and they said that you should personally reach out to them. There's nothing I can do to help you guys, but it does suck. Like, our Patreon's already, like, really low, and then we lost, like, a ton of people because of this who haven't been able to pay. So we just got our lowest Patreon payout ever this week or this month, which is really tough. So we are up against it, people. We do need help on our Patreon. I don't want to beg for money. I I know I hate when people do that. I hate doing it. But we're kind of at that point. Like, our Patreon is really, really low. Um, and I don't know what's going to change. Like, we launched Good Morning Gaming. Everyone seems to like it, but it doesn't seem like anything we do affects our Patreon other than it just going down. Mm-hmm. It's really frustrating. Um, do you guys have any tips on things we can do? I have pivoted, like, five times at this point. I, I don't know what to do. It, it, it is what it is, I guess, but... Um, if any of you guys watch the stream live on twitch.tv slash games and you're like, you know, maybe someday I'll contribute, like, now's really the time. Um, I don't know how more overt I can be about it. Like, that's where we're at. Like, we're, we're in trouble. We need help. So if you're watching the show on YouTube or you're watching right now on the stream and you thought, hey, maybe I'll chip in and help those guys at some point. Now is the time to do it. I'm not, like, blowing smoke up your butts or anything. I'm just telling you the truth. We need help. So anything you can do would be a huge help. Also, there's always Twitch Prime. Those numbers have also been going down. Like, people aren't doing that anymore. Um, We're just in bad shape. I'm just being honest with you guys. So um, if you're on YouTube and you can't afford to help us on Patreon, then at least, you know, use your Amazon Prime account to give us a free 250 every month. The instructions are in the description. It's very easy and very quick. Uh, but you do have to renew it every month, and I know that sucks, but um, I don't know why Twitch won't change it and let it just auto-renew, but it just refuses to do it. So anyway, um, just putting that out there, we're in bad shape. We need help. Um, so I'm just putting out a call for help. Uh, lastly, I watched the Halo TV show. Mm. They put it up for free on YouTube, mm. and so I slid in there and watched it on YouTube. The first thing I would say is watching it on YouTube was not ideal. I would imagine not. No. Because the audio is mm-hmm. awful. Mm-hmm. I could hardly hear what heart, what anyone was saying in the show. So I ended up having to like flip through five different sound modes on my receiver to finally get one that just tried to focus on the voice, and it almost got there, but... Overall, watching it on YouTube yeah. is not ideal. I, it, YouTube is so far behind the curve audio-wise; it's astounding. I, when the when the the guys when I first moved in here, the guys were like trying to set up the surround system and the receiver and everything, and they kept like you're trying to use the this the surround like test thing, and it wouldn't work. It was always in the front, always in the front. Wouldn't we couldn't get anything? They couldn't get anything rare. And I came over. I'm like, what, is, what are you trying? And finally, I look over. I'm like, are you using YouTube? A YouTube mm-hmm. copy of the surround test video, and they're like, yeah, I'm like, YouTube doesn't have surround <laughs> doesn't sound, have surround, dude. Like, yeah. you're not getting, you're, it's yeah. not getting because you're using. So we hooked it up to a DVD player, uh, maybe it was a PlayStation Four actually, and then it was fine. I was like, yeah, YouTube doesn't do that. They're 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 about they exist about in around 2004 audio wise. <laughs> you're right though. I mean, that's pretty much where it's at. Yeah, but I guess you put Halo up there so people can see it. Yep. Um, I mean, the idea is you watch episode one, you get hooked on it, and then and you then, go and pay for Paramount Plus. And you inexplicably subscribe to Paramount Plus. Yeah. And that did not work on me. No. I mean, there's not <laughs> much on... If you don't want to watch Star Trek, there's not really anything on Paramount Plus. The, I'm just saying, like, Halo wasn't good enough for me to want to pay to no, watch I it. No, I wouldn't think so. Um, which is a little disappointing. Because um, I was hoping kind of it would be. No. But it's not bad either. No, it's just, it's fine. It it's, starts off with a bang. Yeah. I'll say that much. And then it doesn't. And then it fades <laughs> it just, very it just, fast, yeah. It becomes two people talking in rooms yeah. for the rest of the show. And I kind of understand, because 
I don't know that action is going to carry a show like that for no. season after season. Like, you have to build the characters and the repertoire. And right, but the problem with this is that, like, well, A, the tone's all over the place. And it is, B, yeah. like, I don't have a lot of reason to care. You know, like, they don't get beyond what I've already got built in to care about Halo, which is less than mm-hmm. what used to be. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know how I'm supposed to take the UNSC stuff. Like... What's confusing? Yeah, it, it seems like, like they're the villains, but they're also the good guys. Yeah, but like, <laughs> but also like, they turn on Master Chief real fast. It's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, okay. He won't. He won't assassinate a child. Right. Kill him. Kill him. Kill yeah. him right now. We're turning the whole army kill, on him. Kill the thing we've poured billions of dollars into. Yeah. Like, it's like there's no reason you'd off an asset like that that fast. It, it felt um, a little bit like they're trying to. I don't know, draft off of the Mandalorian a little bit. A little bit. And there's an element of like, okay, so I guess I'm supposed to side with the the colonists because I guess they're right that the UNSC is a bunch of monsters. Because if they'll do that to their own soldier, <laughs> right. what, what would they, they do, do to, to the colonists? Yeah, yeah, it's like, so I don't know where they're really going with that. Like, yeah. if it's going to be a whole thing where like, you know, Miranda Keys realizes that her father and her actually her father didn't seem too into that either. No, it was, <laughs> it was just that one really angry woman who's like part of the council or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. So yeah, I don't. I don't know what that really give. What it, what it really adds. It feels like somebody watched Battlestar too many times and is just like, well, we need we need the government to be the antagonist, right? It's yeah. just like okay, I guess, but like that's not really what the story of Halo. Was. I mean, I, I can see why they made it very clear they're doing something that is not canon yeah. to the game. It games. just seems like it's Chief and the sidekick, just like the Mandalorian. A little bit. But and the like, sidekick is nowhere near as interesting as the sidekick yeah. and the Mandalorian. I mean, you do, need a, you do need a... Like, early on, I was like, okay, you need a normal person to sort of provide the point of view and sort of bounce Master Chief off them to show, like, what well, you know, just from her being around, you, you know, you, you have an idea of how powerful he is. You have mm-hmm. an idea of what people see the Spartans as. You have an idea of how big he is, you know, yeah. standing next to normal people. Um, that kind of thing. But after a while, I'm like, oh, is, is, is she going to, she's just going to, she's going to be through the whole, whole show. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. like a buddy film. Yeah. She's going to be Robin like to his Batman a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Because like usually yeah. the, the character that does that in Halo is Cortana, right? But it seems like they're slow burning Cortana in this. So yeah, I was kind of surprised actually that uh, Cortana was in a bigger part of the first episode. But well, she's coming. Yeah, I mean you see you see a little hint of it. Yep. But... Uh, but I enjoyed it. The special effects I thought mostly were good. Mostly, there's there's a couple that are just like yeah, oh. There's a couple that stand out, and I was as you had mentioned last week, I was surprised at how gory it is. Yeah, it is very gory. Yeah. Um, there's a couple just things. Just limbs like, going everywhere. <laughs> like, some of it's just like I can't decide. Like that first like kind of like aerial kind of tracking shot down into the colony. It's like parts of it are like wow, it's really cool, and parts of it's like oh no, that's yeah. so bad. Like it looks like a cartoon in places, yeah. but also in places it looks really great. It's, yeah, it's in really the same weird. shot. It's, yeah. it's, it's it's. But like the Covenant weapons, seeing them work. It all, yeah, that'll look good. And just watching people get evaporated, but you just see like a part of their leg like fly off. Mm-hmm. Like some of that stuff was pretty good. I was. Yeah, they do a good job of making of the covenant feel like a real threat. Oh with yeah, their, with their attack on the kids outside mm-hmm. of the colony and stuff. We like, killed that whole room yeah. of kids. And like you know, that, and that's really you know, that's like oh, like we're just cutting limbs off here. Uh-huh. Like okay, it's like it's like it, it's a it's an early sort of like this is the show you're watching. Kind yeah, of it doesn't pull so. punches. That's yeah. for sure. Um, I mean, it's more gritty than the video. Games. And the the prophets <laughs> look really good. Yeah, like the, that's a very good yeah. CG character. The but then you're dealing. I, I'm not a huge fan of the whole like, oh, the the Covenant have an in-house human that have, they've right. raised. Right. Yeah. I'm saying mm. <laughs> no, I don't see that happening. 
Yeah. Especially because they it kind could of, just smash him between yeah. their. Well, especially because it undermines the thing where it's like, you know, hum, he, like the, the prophets in the games are terrified of the humans because they look like the forerunners, mm-hmm. and they're like, "What the hell is this? like? Why yeah, are yeah. these things around?" And and it feels like if you have one in house, it, it's a little harder to make that kind of paranoia and xenophobia be an element because that's one of the one of the more compelling elements of the halo lore is that the covenant were as afraid of us as we were of them right because we were like we were basically proof that their religion was false right and um, i mean we're aliens just like to them just like they were aliens to us and i thought it was an interesting yeah uh, but we're aliens to them but we're also we also look like their gods right so Uh, that's a problem yeah. for them. Like our hands fit in those consoles, <laughs> right, where right. They, whereas theirs don't. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. And there's also like a little thing, you know, little things that have always been a problem with Halo, where it's like there is no way a human and a Spartan can hold the same gun. Yeah, no way. Like the yeah. and they're just tossing guns back and forth, and like that the gun like weighs like 200. Yeah, pounds. she's holding that the, like that that rifle, and I'm just like her hand wouldn't even be able to get around that. Yeah, thing. yeah. Like to it, even squeeze the yeah. trigger. Yeah. That would be a, that'd be a solid way of limiting those kinds of weapons because clearly the Spartans have better, uh, stronger weapons than what your oh, average yeah. person has. That'd be a good. He's like, okay, if you don't have the strength of a Spartan, you can't even pull the trigger. Yeah, you don't even need a safety on that thing, right? Because you couldn't pull it if yeah. you wanted to. The safety is that you are not a ten foot tall cyborg. <laughs> yep. Uh, so anyway, I, I would not subscribe to Paramount Plus no. for it. No, it's not that good. But Especially I if they're going to throw the episodes on YouTube later. Like, yeah, I think they probably will. Yeah. And um, they may even just be pirated up there anyway. Oh, everything. Least, if you yeah, search around. Absolutely. Um, but it's free on YouTube right now. Bar- you can watch a password, it and check out for yourself. Borrow a password from your Star Trek fan friend right. or something. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They're all watching Picard right now, so I'm sure that there's a subscription floating around. Someone's you can, got you it. You can borrow or visit or something. We're actually not condoning that, but... <laughs> Everybody does it. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I think that's it for the housekeeping. I think we're ready to kick off the show proper. We're going to start things today with easily the biggest release of the week. And that is Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga, long delayed. I mean, it's really crazy. I was looking years through the, and years. I was looking through like the footage of it on the TriCaster and like some of the footage goes back all the way to like 2017 mm. or whatever, like the first trailers. Um, so it has been in development for a long time. It's been officially delayed a couple times. I believe they said that it, they started working on it in 2016 or something yeah. like that. So they've actually worked on it like five or six years mm-hmm. at this point. It is a big game. It yeah. is. It includes all three trilogies, um, all nine films, and the game is broken up in such a way that you can choose which trilogy mm. you want to play. Matt, which one did you choose first? Prequels. The prequels? The one in story order. Yeah. Um, also because I figured you would probably pick the originals. <laughs> So we'd be playing different things. Yeah, I jumped around, actually. Yeah. I got it yesterday, um, and I've jumped around through all three of the trilogies. I've played probably the first couple, three hours of each one of them at this point. I've spent a lot of time playing to be ready for you guys today for the show, because the game does did release today. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is on store shelves or in your favorite digital spaces right now. Um, what did I choose first, though? I, I did the same thing. I, mean, I, ch- it, I tried to play them in chronological order, yeah. actually. I mean, it starts on episode four when you load it up. Yeah. It's got episode four selected. Yeah. So they know. And the, it's interesting, like, the people making this, um, like, I detect more fondness for the originals and the sequels than for the prequels. Um, even the opening movie uh, leans hard into Last Jedi stuff, which mm-hmm. I, I certainly approve of. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I've, it's interesting to note. And there's a couple of things in there that I'm like, uh, that are references to some fan stuff that are like, oh, you guys are deep in it. You mm-hmm. guys are deep in it. So I was, I was pleased with some of that. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the prequel stuff so far does have a little bit of, um, certainly the anti-Jar Jar stuff is uh, pronounced there's some, to the, there's some jokes. Yeah, pronounced <laughs> to the point that you're like, oh, you guys are still not over this. Like, it's clearly made by people about our age. Yeah. Or at least the people calling the shots are, are our age. Jar Jar never bothered me as much as he bothered everybody else or something. No, Jar Jar. I mean, I don't think he's funny, but I also, like, he doesn't bo- I don't think he's any less annoying, any more or less annoying than C3PO. Yeah. You know, he's just the comedy relief thing I don't care about. Yeah. Um, the, the actual worst thing in episode one is uh, Anakin. Yeah, you're right. Like the, kid, the kid is more annoying than anything <laughs> Jar Jar right. does. Yeah. It's hard to go back and watch the kid actor. Yeah. Yippee! Yeah. Um, I mean, look, it's not his fault. He's do, he's, he can only do what he's directed to do. Yeah. And, and he's, you know, he's, he was nine or whatever. And that, that poor guy, you know, he's, uh, he has a lot of mental, pro- mental health problems, uh, partly because of being bullied his whole life for playing that role. Does he really? And, oh, yeah. He was in, he was in a, uh, an institution for a while, like schizophrenia. and Whoa. Like, like he, had, he had a very, very bad time. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, he, and he was relentlessly mocked by the internet, by his friends, by the people in college. Like, they all called him Annie in college. Like, he just had a very hard life because Jeez. of it. Uh, same I with, had like, no idea. Same with Ahmed Best, the guy who played uh, uh, Jar Jar. Like, he... he his career basically ended. Like he got another. You know, no one would touch him, and he 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 uh, had some real dark places he ended up in because of it. Um, he's doing better now. Like they, you know, he's you know, people have kind of come around, and you know, people don't really hate the prequels anymore. Like yeah. there's a there's a you know, the, the kids who grew up with it have grown up, become adults, and and love it the way we love the originals. And the same thing's gonna happen to the sequels, folks, whether you like them or not. Um, yeah, because the kids that grew up yeah. watching those as their first films yeah. well, and saw those may- in the theater. Maybe not Rise of Skywalker. Nobody <laughs> likes that piece of shit. But um, it's too bad it's in here, but there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, they're not going to just exclude yeah, You can't just ignore uh, episode nine yeah. as, much as, you, as much as we try to in real life. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, um, very ambitious one way or the other. Oh, this game is crazy ambitious. Yeah. I remember I picked up the first of the Kyber bricks which because mm-hmm. they're, they're not gold bricks anymore they're kyber bricks yeah uh and you uh it's you get it's like one out of 1011 1166 yeah and i'm like okay i see i see you lego I and see you use doing. those bricks to basically level up a skill you tree upgrade things and stuff and i don't know why there aren't 11 1138 there should have been 1138 because <laughs> that's that's the star wars number that's the thx 1138 reference that is in all of them and all of lucas's stuff um, so yeah, I think I think they dropped the ball a little bit there. Should have uh, been should have been a le- uh, 1,138 bricks. I think otherwise though. I mean, they don't drop too many balls. No, there's a lot in here. <laughs> it's insane how much content is in this game. Well, there better be after six years, right? Um, it's still impressive though, mm. and it's not even that. Just there's the content. It's how meticulously it's handled. Now, we're going to get into stuff that they've left out here in a, in a bit, and I'll let you kind of riff on that. But the stuff that they have decided to include, there's so much minutia and little details and nods to fans and little jokes. And the game is legitimately funny. It's mm. probably the funniest game I've played since probably some other LEGO game. Whoever the writers are that Traveler's Tales gets to work on this stuff, they're really good. Like, I've laughed out loud at this game like at least seven times in the mm-hmm. last like 20 some hours that i've had the game like i can't think of other games that do that 
I mean, here and there. Um, trying to think of funny games. There aren't too many funny games. There are. Really. Yeah. Uh, it's Tiny, refreshing. Tiny Teen is trying, but I don't think I don't think it's pulling it off. Yeah, I did. I mean, I've laughed way more times at this mm-hmm. than all, and I spent way more hours with Tiny Tina at that. And there is some pretty good writing in that game too. Don't get me wrong, but this is like to me a whole other level, and it's smart. And sometimes I wonder how do they. I'm wondering if it took so long to develop this game because they have to pass all of these gags and these jokes through Disney. I'm sure some... Well, the, yeah, Lucasfilm has to approve everything, so I'm sure some of that is is there. Because some of the jokes, I'm like, wow! Like, I'm surprised that like, they let it go through. And I'm just wondering if there were conversations where they had to argue and convince Lucas and Disney to let some of the stuff pass through. And maybe that was a the reason there was... Because there's just so much of it. Mm-hmm. Every scene has, like, all these sight gags, funny just one-liners, just physical comedy, all of it. Like... Yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to to hear some behind the scenes. I mean, you never would because nobody wants to right. talk about that. And mm-hmm. it's probably it's probably a, a weird, tenuous relationship as it is because they're you know they're owned by Warner Brothers. It's so weird seeing the Warner Brothers like interactive logo mm-hmm. pop up at the beginning of a Star Wars game. It is, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you can't argue with the results, so it doesn't surprise me that they find a way to make it work. Yeah, but uh, and this is gonna probably sell like you wouldn't believe. Um, like this is this is pure like hand it to the kids and have a like a week of peace, kind well, of shit. right, right. Well, there's also yeah. co-op that you yeah. can play split screen co-op, um, which does look a little limiting. Yeah, it can be, and you don't you don't, only one player gets achievements, as I understand it. And also, I think only one player can actually take part in like the boss fights and some of the other stuff. Where some of the, yeah, some of the boss fights have sort of set piece things that don't split screen properly. So yeah. Yeah, so, that, like, I think, I think any boss fight that's a lightsaber fight, only yeah. one of the players gets to actually take part in it. Yeah, because also, because otherwise that would just be chaos. Yeah. Because of the way the, the combat works. The combat is surprisingly intricate. Yeah. Like, there's combos. <laughs> it really is. And, and, like, there's, there's like, three attack buttons that, like, combo differently. And, there are and counters. Counters and blocking. Blocking, and yeah. Aiming and it's, like, it's... Like, it's got more to the combat than a lot of, like, dedicated action games It does. I was pleasantly surprised by it. Now, the aiming, the the auto-aim in this is probably the most generous that I've ever had. Very aggressive. You can turn that down. Can you? Yeah, there's a lot of options to to mess with that. I mean, it is snappy. It is very snappy. But if you look, if you're playing with your three-year-old or four-year-old kid, that's what you want. Yeah, you don't don't want it to be a a real test You don't want them flailing around just trying to get their their reticle on the enemy and whatnot. Um, game's pretty violent too. Yeah, I mean it's kind of old. Like it's clearly made by fans of old school Warner Brothers, like 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 that. You know the old cartoons where it's just like people got blown up and you know shook it off and moved. Yeah, you know, it's there's no blood or anything. No, but, but it's definitely lots of people uh, die. I guess yeah. is what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah, it's, it can it can have a, it can have be a little dark in places. Yeah, but, uh, but Star Wars is like that. It is. Yeah. But, with, I mean, I, at the same time, I, I'm okay with a kid playing this. Like, I'm yeah. not saying it's, like, going to scar them for life or anything like that. But there was definitely a couple points where I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and there's times where just tons of characters just die. They don't really show them dying. They just fly off into space or, like, whatever. Uh, but as an adult, you're like, oh, that character just died. Like, mm-hmm. five of them just died. It's definitely something to maybe consider. I don't know. I think most kids will be okay playing it, though. Um, yeah. But there's the other thing too is like there's multiple ways to do things and to get places like this example right here like you can rebuild these 
devices. You can choose the one on the left, which will blow open the blast door. You can choose the one on the right that'll put out the fire. Like there's branching paths in the game and kind of different ways to get to the same means to an end. Um, there's puzzles littered throughout everywhere. Yeah, like hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds. Like there's just the stuff that's categorized as puzzles. There's like 712 or something. Is that true? In the in the little little uh, yeah, the little like data bank thing you have. There's like 712 puzzles. There's like wow. 110 side quests. There's like there's, there's it's ridiculous. It's literally there's literally thousands of things to do in this game. Yeah. I've been paying really close attention to how they handle and animating the actual Lego characters. And cuz I had talked about how 2K is starting to make Lego sports games, and mm. I wondered how like animation in sports would work, if it would look weird. So I kind of looked to this game to see how they're doing it. I noticed that they treat some of the stuff that's supposed to be plastic as if it's like cloth. Yeah, well, they're they're just squashing and stretching like standard animation. It's like you know, you just make it stretch to do what you need it to do. Yeah, like like the, a real Lego figure could not lift its helmet up like that, right? Because the le- the arms aren't long enough, so you just stretch them to do it. Like you, you yeah, know, it's, but I'm it's, talking about like their um, I guess their smocks for lack of a better way to describe it, like their bodies, like yeah. their torsos. I mean, they've always done that. In these yeah, games. I just I've never really paid that much attention to it until mm-hmm. this. Game. Otherwise, you, you they can't animate. You know, right? Which was why I was concerned about a sports game. No, they've they've I think going all the way back to the original Lego Star Wars, like they've they've, they've always they've had some liberties. Yeah, they always bend weird, yeah, because like, otherwise it looks very like you just they'd be very stiff and it'd be like playing like one of those old army men games that from 3DO. Yeah, um, and then like the detail in this game, like you can zoom in and you can see the little Lego logo pressed yeah. into the bricks. Even there's there's a close up uh, when when Amidala uh, is talking to Boss Nass in episode one. There's a real cl- huge close up of her, and you can see like where on the plastic of her head where it's where it's scraped ag- where it's scraped against the body part because we you know when you turn that that piece it would rub against the the bo- and you can see the paint having worn off a little bit. Yeah, there. I can see like, that if you as some of these levels as you play the bricks start to get dirty. Yeah. It's like, then that level of detail goes throughout the whole game. Like, mm-hmm. it's just everywhere. And there's like reflections of the environment in the Lego yeah. characters' shiny faces. Yeah. And like, there's, there's a lot of work going on there. It's impressive. Mm-hmm. And just the, the pacing of the game, how it just takes you from one scene to the next. And like, I will say this. Like, I didn't notice it as much as you did, but mm. the game does truncate things a good bit because... Yeah, it, a little too much. In, I think it, I think it rushes through some stuff a little too much. Like, um, to the point... And maybe it's just the prequels. Like, I haven't played the, the original trilogy yet. Maybe that's a little more complete because... But I think, um, you know, being familiar with the fandom and familiar with some of the younger fans' perspectives, like, I think it, it bleeps over a lot of iconic stuff in the prequels so mm-hmm. far. Uh, and some of that might just be like, you know, they think free, you know, most of the stuff you can do is in free play. Like the, the story stuff is pretty railroaded. Um, yeah. there's places, be- like, there's places between the missions where you get to roam around and like, see if you can solve stuff, but really to solve stuff, you got to go to the galaxy free play mode yeah. where it removes all the story stuff and you can switch characters however you want and do use everything you've unlocked to see where go wherever you want and all that. And it's just basically a big open area filled with side quests. Yeah. I mean, some of the characters you get the quest from don't even. I don't think they're even from Star Wars. Um, they're just like generic NPCs. Yeah, there's, there's some generic like. I mean, they're clearly dressed like Star Wars sure, characters, sure. but they're yeah. not. Yeah, they're not named characters. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's tons of that stuff. Yeah, and, and there's other stuff you find organically, and there's uh, yeah, it's 
it's um it's a lot it's a lot so i believe there's there's five stages for each film um maybe i think that's how i counted it i can't remember if it's five or six i think there's Um, 45 total missions mm. in the main campaign and then stretch across the nine yeah. films. And some that's... of those are real short. It's, it was yeah. inter- what's interesting to me is like the mission, you know, because I was more. F- I haven't played a Lego game in a long time, but I was more familiar with, you know, the le- the levels are pretty long and involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they're much much shorter. Yeah, like they're 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 barely five minutes in some in some cases. They're usually longer than that. Like by my math, it I'm guessing the game is around 18, 20 hours long. If you just burn through everything. Yeah, yeah. if you do, I mean, just you go do, straight through the campaign. Yeah, if you do yeah. everything it's probably a hundred plus. Oh yeah, I can't even imagine um, how long it would take to do everything in this game. But like the at least the Phantom Menace was just like, you know, okay okay, you fly the you, you pile the submarine through the Oh that, that was a level. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that, that Oh, Most okay. of them are longer than that, though. Yeah, but like, yeah, the Phantom Menace is is a pretty light offering. From, yeah, from what in I general, um, there's like a, there's that there's a there's a pod race. Yep, there's the pod race, which, which is, is way own, better than like the pod racing games that came out yeah, like back when. Which is its own level. Um, <laughs> yeah. and then there's the fight with Maul. There's the uh, and then there's the space fight, and I think there's one other. I think there's um, there's a there's an on foot one in there somewhere. But like, there it's fast it's you know and uh, episode two is a little more involved because there's less vehicle stuff but uh the meat of the game is sort of the open areas where you run around and discover stuff mm-hmm. um and so maybe that's why some of this some of the story is feels so truncated like the the whole middle 40 minutes of episode one takes place in about two minutes yeah um and they could have played a little more just because of how the humor works they could have played with some of the other scenes that happen in there a little more like i would have liked to seen you know, a little more uh, like the scene where where Palpatine says he's gonna, you know, he's been nominated for Chancellor or whatever and all that, and like you know, because all through the prequel stuff they do like big nods of like he's evil, you idiots, like right. You know, like, <laughs> they're they're talking about who could the Sith Lord be, and he's got like a photo of him with like you know all the all the Sith people on on the desk, and he's like, oh, who could it be? I don't know, I, yeah. I mean, um, it's uh. There's the Order 67 gag. Yeah. It's That's just, pretty good. It's just like, um, they, they could have done more with that. You yeah. Know? And it's more of a compliment to to the, the writing and the reinterpretation of it that I'd like to see more than like saying like, oh, you just, you were lazy and didn't do it. It's more like, I think you could have, I think it's just, their take on it sustains well enough. They could have stretched a little bit more and included a few more, you know, iconic moments. Because the pacing um, is really good. The pacing but is. But it's almost too much. Yeah, you know, it's too much. It's, it's breakneck. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really it's really too fast. It doesn't let up. There's not no. a lot of like downtime in this game. Yeah, it's faster than the old Star Lego Star Wars games. Oh yeah, like, it's, it's yeah it, for it, sure. It's interesting that it's like yeah, and because they had to fit nine films into one game this time. Is except my guess. like they really didn't because like each trilogy is basically the content of a full Lego game. Yeah. Um. So it, it you know and, and I think that's what you expect to some degree. Yeah. And it might just be that these games have changed in terms of how they're paced and how they they present things. And I don't know that because the last one I think I played in its entirety was probably like Lego Movie One. Yeah. Um. Or maybe Lord of the Rings. I don't. You know this this reminds me of Lord of the Rings the most, or maybe Lego Batman Three. Um. Because it has that. Op- it has more of the open areas that lead you to missions, sort of yeah. thing. This more pulls you through, and then like the fact that you can travel from planet to planet. Um, changes it up too. Especially, yeah, yeah. Especially as you unlock the planets and you can go wherever you want. Like most of the planets you can think of in Star Wars are in this game. Yeah, there's over twenty different planets. Yeah. Um, and these are the upgrades. 
I gotta be honest, like they make you use take the first upgrade, the sprint speed thing, just as part of the tutorial. Uh-huh. And now I'm I think that the move is to save up a million studs and buy the uh the the stud multiplier. That's the first. So you can get more. So you get more because that's because you don't really get a lot in the story mode. You get more. You get more in the free play. Yeah. Um, it's easier to find blue blue ones and stuff and purple ones. But like, yeah, I'm 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 going for the multipliers first. (laughs) I think that's my plan. So the way the upgrades, I I don't find most of the upgrades for the for the character classes to be particularly interesting. Well, there's two kinds. There's the one upgrade that works across every character that you play as. And there's some that are class specific. Yeah. The class specific ones all I look through all those and they all look terrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, like, I don't see a use for basically any of them. Yeah. Except a couple that are like, you can skip the hacking mini games, and if you do the hacking mini game even, and don't skip it, you get like twenty five hundred. Yeah, twenty five hundred Lego studs, but which is cool. But um, part of that is just sort of like right now, it feels like oh, this is a long. It's gonna be a while before we. Make, feels like you're making real progress because I played for a couple hours and pulled back out because I had to take a break and like it was like you're two point one percent done. No, oh, yeah. Was like, like it's crazy it's big there's so much content in this which i can understand it was probably tough for them to figure out like what do we cut and i mean look like i don't know if there's a better value for your money uh so far this year in terms of just paying paying a standard game price for the amount that's in this yeah it's it's nuts i think elden ring fans might argue that with that a little bit, but there is more content in this in terms of like physically things to do you have not done yet. Yeah, uh, Elder Drink's probably gonna take you longer because of the grind and trying over and over again on things mm-hmm. and, and having to learn how everything works. But uh, yeah, like I think I you know I well, I mean the content in this it's not that you're gonna have to try it twenty times to get through it. No, it's just that it's is just that there's much. that much of it. Yeah. yeah, and that is a big difference between the two games, but. Yeah, the value of this game, again, I think it's probably around 20 hours long. But as you said, once you get into the open world stuff... Nobody's only going to play this 20 hours. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it could literally go over 100 hours easily, I think. Um, They have made some tweaks to the Lego formula. Like, the shooting is now Resident Evil 4 style. It's kind Mm -hmm. of like over the shoulder and offset to the side, um, which is different from how it's been in the past. We already talked about... The um the auto targeting which is generous, um but as you said you can adjust that if you want to. Um, there's also cover you can shoot from yeah. cover in this now, which is something that's new that there's hasn't cover, been. Cover in... there's hopping over cover. You can hit people as you hop over cover. It's like you can build full, cover. Full gears of war action. You can build cover. You hold circle and it'll reassemble mm-hmm. things that have busted apart, and you can create cover on the fly right in front of you. The enemies do it too. If you start lighting up an enemy, it will start taking lego parts and building cover Mm. in front of it and it'll start using it as cover and doing the stop and pop thing um so the combat and the gameplay in this i feel like has gone through some pretty drastic updates and changes they've definitely flirted with a lot of that in the past in previous games but this seems to be where it all has culminated yeah um we talked about the combo system which is simple but surprisingly deep um one thing i would say is the game is really easy yeah i don't know if you'll ever die in this I've died because I've fallen off the edges of things, but like not because of fighting anything. Right. It's really easy. And I would argue, too, that while they have... I guess if you're really bad at flying, maybe. Yeah. While they have added depth to the shooting and the melee combat, you can pretty much just button mash your way through Mm. the game. Yeah. You don't even have to shoot people. You can just run up to them and just start meleeing them. Now, there is a setting where you do not get health back unless you pick up hearts. Oh, really? Which would probably make it much harder. Yeah. More like the old one. But... 
they've they've also switched to more of a life bar system mm-hmm. uh, without as opposed to the old system where you had the four hearts in the corner. Yeah. Um. So I think that would be hard, much harder to manage than uh, than I initially imagined. And enemies don't drop hearts much. They don't. Very rarely. Yeah. In fact, you can get upgrades that like make them do it more often. But yep. But this actually this game also reminds me a lot of like a 3D platformer because of the gameplay variety. There's so much stuff that you're doing. You're flying. You're driving vehicles. There's melee. There's shooting. There's puzzle solving. There's even like an RTS section during the Battle of Naboo where you're just taking down like the the squadrons of troops that are marching towards you. Um, there's, as you said, there's pod racing. So there's racing mini games in this. Like you're just constantly jumping through this stuff and it, it does a good job of teaching mm-hmm. you how to use all the things and how to do all the things um and again i think for kids that's probably a good thing it's very intuitive and simple and fi- to figure out how to fly or how to shoot or any of that type of stuff but it is very much like a 3d platformer in that way like every five or ten minutes you're doing something different like you're never just like oh here's another section where i have to shoot and melee my way through it it's it really mixes stuff up yeah part of i think like it's 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 not landing for me the way I thought it would, um, and part of it I think is it just because it's so rushed and because it does this and this and, this and that and this and this and that I never feel like I have a chance to like settle in and play a Lego game. Mm. Like it like the old games kind of had that thing where like you'd be in a level for a while, you sort of get your mind around it, you like let's solve this, okay, let's move on, let's fight this little thing. Like it just feels like it's like okay this and now this and now this and as yeah, soon as I kind of get accurate. used to what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, it's time to do something else. It's, it's that's just, true. I like, mean, there's no denying that the game is like that. Yeah, for and sure. I think if if the thing you've liked historically about LEGO games is sort of the complex and, and, and kind of crafted levels, that's not really here. No, that's um, true. Yes. Yeah. They're little bits and pieces yeah. all snapped together, like little, LEGO. <laughs> yeah, little tiny bits that you get, but like most of it is just sort of like a real fast sort of like get through this battle or get through this section. But the most of the game is running through the open areas, finding puzzles and solving them. Yeah. So if that's what you like about Lego stuff, this will deliver beyond anything you could ever imagine. If you like those old kind of like, you know, intricate levels and, and, you know, very, very designed you know, stretches like those old, the old levels used to be. That's just not in this. Yeah. Game. The, le- the actual levels themselves are short. Yeah. And they're very underwhelming to me. Um, so I'm a little disappointed by that. I was hoping it would be more like, you know, a lot of open world stuff broken up by like pretty, you know, like some some le- some levels you can sink your teeth into. And that's just not here. Yeah, the open world stuff is kind of quarantined into that galaxy free play mm-hmm. mode. Um, and it is. And I think that's where people are going to ultimately get the bulk of their playtime from. Absolutely. It's yeah. just flying from planet to planet and kind of mm-hmm. just accomplishing those missions, those side missions yeah. from the NPC. But it's just sort of like the, you know, t- and to get to that stuff, you know, Lego games have always been like this to some degree. You got to get through the story. You got to unlock the different types of characters because, yep. you, you know, it's like, oh, I still don't have a dark side guy or I still don't have a bounty hunter or whatever to, to do these, you know, act, interact with these particular objects and that. Um but it um it, the, the way they've done the story really feel almost feels like okay they know you're gonna want to get through this so you can unlock stuff in free play and it feels like we're kind of rushing through the story to get to that yeah and I don't think that that is the way to have done I, it feels like you're shortchanging sort of the reason we're here a little bit um, and maybe that's just because I have a, lar- a longer sp- attention span for this than the average child would have yeah but uh, yeah I, I I do find that aspect of it a little disappointing well there are 300 playable characters in all. 300 that's a lot yeah i don't know if that's a record for a lego game i'm guessing it's up there though um 
And as we said, there is split, split screen co-op. So if you want to play it with your kids, you can. It is a vertical split screen. It does limit what you can see, like, horizontally. Mm -hmm. And you're already a little... Like, the field of view on this game is really restricted. Yeah. Um, to the point that even I notice it. Usually I don't care about that kind of thing. But there's moments where I'm just like, God, I can't see anything. Like, yeah. It's so close. To the, especially in the shooting, it gets so close to the character that you're like, you, you feel like you can't look around. And like... And the same thing with, like, you know, you're looking around an open world area. You're looking around trying to find puzzles. Is there anything up here? And, like, you are really arbitrarily limited to how high you can look up. Mm -hmm. Or, like, even when there is something to look at, sometimes it's very hard to look up and see it, which I find weird. But Yeah, playing co-op is almost like playing a mobile game mm -hmm. with your phone or mm -hmm. vertically. Um, that's kind of the window that you get to look into the world. So it is kind of limiting. But, again, the game is so stinking easy. Like, yeah. it's not going to cause you to die. That's for sure. No, you're going to get through it. It's just a matter of sticking with it long enough. Yeah. Um, and then there's a ton of other stuff to do. Um, I just, the, the thing for me is like, and, and like the chat has alluded to this a little bit, like, I don't think this game replaces the previous, like, complete, the complete saga. Because it, game. Cause it it's was a very more different thorough. Game. Yeah. It is different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. This is um this feels like a like a like a Cliff's Notes version yeah. of Star Wars whereas the complete saga felt like it really did kind of tell the story and get you into each of those locations yeah. and throw you know, I'd agree with that. Like I would not replace I would not sell off my copy of the old game. This is this is more of a a, a companion piece to that. Yeah, this is flashier. Yeah. It looks a lot better for it's sure. A, it's a better game from a yeah. gameplay perspective. I think it plays better for yeah, the most for part. Sure. But, and it looks um, a lot better too. I just wish there was like since we're talking about percentages, I just wish there was like 10% more meat on that bone. Yeah, you know I, can, I, mean? I can understand that perspective. Um, but I have been having a ton of fun with it. I'm going to keep yeah, playing it's fun. it. Yeah, it is fun. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a nice, it is still a celebration of the brand. Of yeah, the, of the I totally feel that, that way. And, and there's a lot of weird little in-jokes to see. And, and in-jokes that go outside of things. Like, I'm surprised at the non-Star Wars references in this. Like, one of the episode one uh, levels is a reference to Better Call Saul. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> that's so weird. Uh, there's there's a uh, Qui Gon uh, makes a, makes a, a Taken reference. If you I leave, didn't pick up on that. He say, if, you, if you approach an area where he there's a thing that he can interact with as a Jedi, he says he says I have a very particular set of skills that will be helpful here. And I was like, that's a Taken reference. I have a very oh. particular set of skills, uh, and I, you know, if I, I will find you, and it. I will, yeah, like, that's that's definitely. <laughs> yeah. And that's the guy. Um, that's uh, Tom Kane. Or t t uh, the, it's the guy who does Yoda. Yeah. And, the, and and he doesn't. He doesn't act anymore because he had a horrible stroke, apparently. And oh. his, like this is they recorded this so long ago, it might end up actually being one of his last published oh. voice acting roles because apparently it, it damaged his his ability to speak. Oh geez. Um. So the guy. That's the guy who does Yoda and uh, the narrator in Clone Wars. The guy at the beginning of every episode is like it's like. War in the Republic, like that guy, like yeah. that's he's Qui Gon in this, and you can hear it a little bit that he, that's the same guy doing who did the narrator, but um, yeah, there's a Taken joke in there, <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, sure. Yeah. Like, the, that's the, cool. Again, the writing in this is very good, and yeah. very clever, and it's as a big Star Wars fan like you are, like I haven't been offended by any of the jokes, um, mm. and I don't feel like you need to be a hardcore Star Wars nerd to get. No, I think even either. if you're just vaguely, if you've just seen the movies, you'll get it. Yeah, like it's yeah, and like the. The, the really hardcore in-jokes are not uh, obtrusive to the point that they'll happen and be like, I don't get it. Like, yeah. what, what I miss? Like, they're not like that. They're, a lot of all... those, a lot of times those are like sight gags. Yeah, they're all side things. Like, you know, if you didn't know what it was, you're not going to, like, think you missed a thing. You're yeah. just going to, like, see, like, a thing happen, a funny thing happen. Yeah. 
Um, so I just come off playing Kirby in the Forgotten Land, which I really mm-hmm. liked, which also had great co-op for parents and their kids. And now I'm playing this. And it, trying to decide which one I would recommend is tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I think I'd go with this one just because I think it's a more universal thing. Um, it's more likely that people are going to like the subject matter yeah. of this. And there's more to it. Yeah. And it's on more platforms. Yep. Uh, also, from what I understand, you should not buy this game on the Switch. Oh really? Apparently I'm not is. surprised by that at no, all. No, not at all. Like but but apparently it is it is like image quality is all over the place. There's like it's hard to see what things are cuz the image quality drops after a certain distance from the characters. Uh-huh. Um runs poorly. Like like even the most hardcore Nintendo people I know are like, "Yeah, I tried it on both and yeah. I had to go with PS5." Like it's, yeah. it's or whatever. Is it unplayable on Switch completely? Um, cuz there's some people who only have a Switch. I've had a couple people say that it is borderline really um, just the performance and just it, it i mean if you don't have anything else to play it on sure but yeah. like most people do yeah yeah should have went with the cloud version i guess yeah i don't know this seems like it's this uh, you don't think about it with a lego game but it does feel like it's just technologically a little beyond the switch yeah at this point. i'm surprised too that there aren't more Some of these areas are huge they are like, huge yeah you know. and but at the same time i am a little surprised that more of the world isn't modeled in lego a yeah, that's times, been a that's been a complaint about Lego games for a long, like more than a decade. And I realize now. that they do it that they've done it that way for a long time, but it is yeah. a little weird to have like these Lego characters and mm-hmm. objects in this real world. Yeah, well, there's the langu- the visual language of these games, kind of going back to I think probably like Lord of the Rings uh, and or maybe Batman Two. Like it kind of became like the especially when they changed to more the open world uh, angle, like. It's almost like the language of the visual language of the games is like you can tell that there's something you need to do or a puzzle to solve when you see Lego objects. Mm-hmm. So like that's it's like sort a of, mental trigger. Yeah, like okay, I'm, I'm looking at this rock wall, but there's a little section that's made of Lego, so I know I need to do something there. Yeah. So like that's sort of the shorthand. I get that, that. and that yeah. kind of works. But I definitely, I think that all the time. I even think that in the in like the one shot of. Um, uh, in the, that intro movie of uh, Luke fighting Kylo Ren mm-hmm. and they're dancing around on the sand, I think. Yeah. And like, there's a moment where I'm just like, they are the only two Lego things in this shot. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. it is a little weird. It, it is. is. And I kind of wonder. It would be wonder... fun to see them take on the challenge of making a world completely out of Lego. I do wonder if maybe the next one that would I would presume, well, maybe not with this series, but I would presume it would be next gen only. It would mm. be PS5 and Xbox Series X. Maybe then they could try, but. I don't think they're really interested. I mean, they've done they did stuff a little bit like that with like Lego Movie. Uh, Lego Movie had more stuff mm-hmm. along those lines because just because of the nature of the, yeah. the aesthetic. But when it comes to the, the the you know I you know you know what I hope they do next, which is uh, Bond. No, oh. um, and they do have the James Bond license. Right, they they are making the Aston Martin an Aston Martin set uh, out of you know real a real Lego set. So it could happen. I'm just saying, yeah. James Bond would be a no-brainer. Like, <laughs> be a pretty good fit. Yeah, you know, real, especially in this format. Like that would, you know, you could do tons of movies like that. You could. Um, I probably wouldn't want to put as much time and money into it as you did for this because I think Star Wars is going to sell better. But like, yeah, um, I would love to see them try Bond. Okay. Um, or go back and try uh, DC stuff again. You know, I didn't care about the DC supervillains thing, but I thought I think like uh, it might be time to go back to the well and do a big Justice League thing or something that would that would be fun that'd be cool uh let's take a look at chat and see if people have questions for us about this game you guys usually do um let's scroll up here um sneaky says the fly they fly through the sequel such a shame a lot has been left out that's something yeah. that matt has been saying um 
Andy T. Monahan says, isn't there also Mandalorian content coming? Yes, I believe there is. Uh, there are Mandalorian characters. Uh, and there's already some characters. That's actually already out. Um, there's, there's five, I think, five character packs. And Solo and Mandalorian are already out. And there are, um, I think it's Bad Batch. Uh, Mandalorian Season 2 is coming. And there's a fifth one. I can't remember. Oh, Rogue One. Oh. So, that, so those are coming on the 19th. Um, and then the other two, the two that are already out at launch are, um, yeah, are Mandalorian Season 1 and uh, uh, Solo. So if you desperately want to play as Enfys Nest, <laughs> we got you covered. Um, Lesteved and Glottis, thank you for Twitch Prime while we're scrolling up here. Axel F 1986, thank you. Ozzy Britt 2000, thank you. Matt, you got a lot of congratulations from people mm-hmm. in chat for your movie, which is awesome. Um, I think AJ had a question somewhere. Oh yeah, he was asking about are you does it make sense that it was delayed so many times now that we played it? Um I think it does. A little bit. I think it's it, really ambitious. I mean, there's a lot in there, but it's also like a, the format is pretty well worn, so it's like the question is sort of like, well, I guess it was Yeah, you you may be right that it was a lot of, you know, back and forth synergy meetings happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, <laughs> sure the, I'm sure the pandemic didn't didn't help. Yeah. Um yeah, um, I mean, I've done stuff with Lucasfilm, and yeah, there's the the back and forth is incredible, and there's moments where like you've been through ten meetings, and then in meeting eleven, they decide they want to do something completely different. Yes, and there's, no, and there's nothing you can do about yeah. it because they hold, they, have, they, they hold, hold all the cards. cards so. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like I've, I, so I, I definitely understand how some of that might have worked. Um, you know, as we we know, they are very uh, protective of the Star Wars license in part because they don't know what to do with it. Uh, there's, there's, you know. And the most the most difficult thing to do with Star Wars these days is comedy. Uh, they are so paranoid about how people will take, you know, ribbing the franchise yeah. because they've had such toxic fandom behaviors that they're worried about, like you know, sparking more stuff, more of that off. So I'm sure every single joke in this was vetted by 14 people, and the- yeah. it's amazing it turned out as fresh feeling as it did. Yeah. Um, you know, famously, they removed Lord and Miller from Solo because they were, uh, you know, they they were making basically a comedy, and they weren't comfortable with that. So they brought Ron Howard in to make it a really boring movie <laughs> that, <laughs> that nobody wanted to see. Um, my favorite story of that, and I don't know, we, nobody really seems to know how true this is, but I think Lord and Miller re- re- alluded to it in an interview recently. Apparently, one of the big things that was a sticking point was in the scene where where Solo asks. Chewbacca, what his name is, uh-huh. and Chewbacca, rawr, rawr, he's like, oh, Chewbacca, huh? well, you're gonna need a nickname because I'm not saying that every time. Apparently, in the in, I, I've read in multiple places that the original Lord and Miller thing was uh, that they wanted to do was that he asked him what his name is, and, and then Chewbacca goes Chewbacca. Oh, he actually like, says English, the name, like the one, the one word he speaks in English, because <laughs> that's like a running thing, like with the fan. It's like you can't say Chewbacca in Wookie. Right like, or like any almost any Wookiee like what was the 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 general Tarf Tarful or whatever uh-huh. you can't say T's in oh, right. Wookiee like t- <laughs> Wookiees don't say T so how is that his name and so like so the idea that he would say that and then like Han's like well I'm gonna come with it. and he never speaks in English again yeah like yeah. that's funny that like, is that's funny. really funny yeah but it's not reverent enough right, for Star right. Wars. I was like, yeah. man, just let it go. You're already making the dumbest idea for a movie you've ever <laughs> attempted. Like who cares? He's like. It's like Solo is just like, it's like, oh, how did, think questions you've never cared or worried, wondered about, about Han Solo. It's like, how did he get his name? Well, some guy gave it to him. Yeah. How did he get that blaster? Well, some guy gave it to him. Right. How did he meet up with Chewbacca? Well, some guy threw him in a pit. Like, it's like all the answers are dumb. Right. Like they're, not, they're not useful. Yeah. Um, 
Very done. And also, you know, I, I have said before, like, Rogue One and Solo have a lot of the same script problems, but Rogue One ends with 30 minutes of smashing Star Wars toys together, and Solo ends with three people arguing in an office, and those are two different and those are two different ways that a movie leaves you, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm not super excited that I have Solo characters to play with through the DLC, yeah, is all I'm you. saying. I don't think we're going to get, like, actual gameplay dlc i don't either i don't think we're gonna get like, you'll get a, some characters like a clone wars unit yeah, or something. i don't, I don't think we're gonna get like a like a clone wars level or anything like that i think this is it yeah um i think you're right and it's it's plenty yeah you know it's, it's, it's more than enough it's like more you don't than need enough. to add more than that absolutely let's go back to chat quickly i see some questions a squishy muffin asks is joining sifted on youtube better than patreon um for you i think it's better to join on patreon because on youtube you are Spending more to get the same thing because YouTube doesn't give us enough flexibility in giving you content per the dollars that you spend. So if you're okay with going on Patreon, Patreon is the better way, absolutely. Um, let's see. Uh, Lazily Diligent says, look at the success of Colin's Last Stand. Uh, more shows, less production value. I Look, I love Colin, and I think he's good at what we do. But Colin's success isn't... Because of that. No. Let's just be honest. Colin's Col- success is Colin because... Colin fills a particular niche, he is say. He's a right-winger, and yeah. every right-wing gamer supports him yeah. because he's the, really the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, I think he's good at what he does. I'm not saying he's I mean, not there are others, but like they're obnoxious twits yeah. for the most part, and Colin... For, you know, production value, whatever. Colin does come off professional. Yeah. So that's Again, Colin's he's, good he's the he only does. one who does that. You know, you're not getting that from the quartering or whatever. Yeah. You know? So he's got that whole audience, whereas the rest of us have to fight for everybody yeah. else. Um, so, yeah, the, looking at what Colin does is not smart for me to do and, like, emulate. Um, let's see. What else we got here? Jar Jar is responsible for the rise of the Sith to power. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's, that's the Darth Jar Jar theory. Is that, that's just garbage, right? Or is it true? It's not true. I mean, it's, it's a real thing that, the, that some of the fans came up with that, like, if you twist certain elements of the series, you can, be, you can believe that Jar Jar is actually the Sith Lord behind everything um, because he's <laughs> duped into doing so many things that lead to the creation of the Empire. Um, and there are some people who still believe that at some point an evil version of Jar Jar will show up in the Disney Plus shows and be revealed as the mastermind behind everything. But I don't think that's where Filoni's going with it. Yeah. But it is a fun... If you read... People have gone in ridiculous depth and detail on that if you look up the Jar Jar Sith Lords theory. And uh, some of it's fun. It's fun to, to, to mess with. Sleeping Psychologist, is it too soon to make a Lego Elden Ring? No, I don't think it is. I don't even know what that would be. I don't either, but it would do very well, I think. <laughs> um, if you were talking, uh, Game Manual saying Guardians of the Galaxy was funny. You're right. It was also a yeah. really funny game. Yeah, it Guardians had good writing funny. in it as well. It's a good point. Um, any other questions? Casuality. Thank you for Twitch Prime. Always scrolling by here. Uh, Andy T. Monhan, does this make the complete saga game that Matt was talking about earlier on 360 or PS3 now more valuable due to the cut content? I don't know about more valuable, but I yeah. I would say it hasn't hasn't lost its reason to exist. Like yeah. there's there's a scenario in which I can see I'd rather play that or like the the Lego Star Wars three Clone Wars game again than this. Yep. Um, Gino Mike Shane wear a MAGA hat. That is not happening. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> definitely not happening. I would 
have to be dead before that would happen. Yeah. I, I was in a I was in a, a room with the most Trump gear I've ever seen. <laughs> well, coming back from from you don't leave Phoenix. California very often. I don't go to to red states very often. No, but yeah. coming back, we were we were in a Carl's Jr. and like it every, like it was outfits. Yeah. They were in outfits. <laughs> Matching like everything. coordinated, like one, and then not. I'm not talking about like. I'm not saying like the red, you know, the ch- cheesy red hats or anything. I'm saying like the two of the guys had like real fitted caps <laughs> with like a leather like patch with Trump embroidered on it. I'm just like, you're serious, and like, <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Uh, oh, and, I, and of course, here I was, and I hadn't thought about. It. I just put on. Well, you know, I when I'm on a you know on a six hour drive, I'm gonna put on whatever my most comfortable stuff I got is. And one of the most yeah. comfortable shirts I happen to have was my Pride shirt. Oh geez. And so I'm standing in this <laughs> Carl's Jr. full of all these, and they're all like like I see the, the eyes like flicking down to my shirt and back up to me, and I was like, mm-hmm. What? Like you want to? <laughs> like, nobody said anything. Yeah. I have to roll through uh, the East Coast when I go home, so I've uh, I've seen it before. I just could you ever could you imagine? wearing anything of like a politician with a politician's no, like, face like i'm on trying it? to imagine like wearing like a bunch of like joe biden equipment i'm just like no why would i want to no that's not i would never ever wear why would i want anyone's like first impression of me to be that i don't know it's insane um anyway or any any poll you know even obama like i don't, I don't yeah never it. ever i would never wear anything of a politician i am not enough of a fan of any politician no. to to it's insane. do that it's insane um very <laughs> anyway weird. Uh, I think you guys asked all your questions for. Oh, I also I, I did Lego enjoy, Skywalker um, when we drove first drove in Arizona. One of the first things we saw was a billboard uh, for a firearm store nearby mm-hmm. that read uh, "Welcome Back to Freedom." <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Oh man, it is a different world when you yeah. get out there. That's yeah. for sure. Um, okay, I think that's it for Lego Skywalker. Um, I think you guys have exhausted all your questions, and uh, let's move on. We're going to talk next about E3. So we thought that E3 was going to kind of hang on and do this digital thing, even though it wasn't doing the show in person. And then, Although you recall, I called this one. You did call this. I said this was, was coming. Probably on the way. And, uh, and the last week, the ESA announced that it is not doing the digital version of E3 either. Which, based upon what happened last yeah. year, I don't know. That not, that's not, a yeah, not a huge thing. downside. Also, <laughs> I mean, also it's like that. All those digital plans we never told you we had; those aren't real. Yeah. It's like, okay. Um, mm. Yeah, that is a little weird. Yeah, they never said they were. I mean, they said like, "Oh, we're doing the thing," and that was about it. Like, yeah, you know, it's not like there were specific things they'd announced that were going to happen, and they're, now they're canceling them. They're yeah. mostly just confirming. Yeah, we don't actually have anything. Yeah, uh, go watch Jeff Keighley's stuff. You know? Now they did say that the reason they're not doing the digital stuff is because they struggled to work with publishers. And gee, why do you think that happened, Matt? Um, <laughs> probably because the publishers realized they don't need this crap. Well, I think it's probably because the publishers had already decided that they were going to work with Jeff. That too, but also like um, Jeff isn't charging them millions of dollars to be involved. Right, like that's a big part of it. Like the exorbitant, the exorbitant fees that the ESA started charging people to just be part of E3 became ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's one of the reasons they all, a bunch of them, bailed out. Like it was just like there is no possible way that it, we're not going to get at least the same effect by spending our own money on our own venue and not throwing it all at this company because that was where the ESA makes all its money every year is like basically basically extorting the publishers. At E3. Did you think, do you think the ESA was trying to charge publishers to be a part of the digital show? 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised either. I mean, the big chunk that they get to charge is for the space on the floor. Yeah, obviously, but it wouldn't shock me if that was it. Was you know, we'll give you you know prominent position. I mean, if that is the case, the ESA is really dumb. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like that's a pretty safe statement. Because if they imagine going and trying to pitch that when you know that the publishers could right. go to Jeff Keeley and get in his show for free, or just start their own live stream or just do their own stream their own like thing. they've been like, doing for the whole 12 months but like this is what this is basically where they get all their budget for the year so of course they had to try to do that and so you know that that's chased other companies out earlier i'm sure it's why sony stopped as well it's like why are we doing this you know? yeah um for nothing for nothing like you know in the end in the end like like i said like sony did not need e3 to launch the playstation 5 it didn't at all yeah think about it that it no launched difference whatsoever. a platform without e3 yeah that's a big milestone. So, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what else could happen to show that E three is irrelevant. Uh, maybe it could just go away for four years. So that's we're about to see that happen. Do you think you know if it even comes back next year? Well, that's the question. I think E three is dead. I think it's yeah, over. yeah. Is it ever coming back? Like, how do you restart it at this point? I don't how know. Do, how do you come back and say, like, okay, everybody, give us like five million dollars per booth to come back? Yeah, just and act do this like again. the last four years didn't happen. Yeah, and. We'll just play nice like it's nineteen yeah. or twenty nineteen again. Yeah, and try to try to like convince everyone that anyone's going there for any reason other than they go to Pactor's party and see everybody again. Yeah. Like that's the only attraction to that would be like everybody gets to all be in the same city at once for the first time in four years. Nobody wants to go to E three again. Do you think there's still value in the business side of it though? Probably. Like having that annual event. I mean, honestly Somewhat, but at the same time, like business continued just fine through Zoom. Like there's, Did it though? Yeah. We don't know that because we're not a part of that side of the industry. No, but like none of that stuff I mean, broken down. Deals have down. continued to happen. Yeah, it's, and... it's been fine. Like you know, the yeah. industry has not spiraled into a licensing oblivion. <laughs> like it's it's you know, you can still buy video games in stores. Like I don't you know, the the you know part of, a big part of expo stuff and business meeting expo stuff is like greasing the wheels and and everybody socializing and getting some time out of the office and we all get to let our hair down like that's always been part of that yeah you know, even if you're a dentist that's part of that yeah um so maybe that but like also like that's also kind of tied up with that toxic sort of bro culture that is sort of on the way out in terms of corporate spaces so you know maybe you know what, what do you bring back you have to bring back a new version of that to some degree and how do you how do you navigate that I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's worth it in general anymore. I mean, that's one thing I would say for E3, though, is I feel like it did kind of clean up the show before any of this stuff started happening. Like, you saw it the did. booth babes going away, and, like, it it used to be bad. I mean, oh, let's be honest. In the early I mean, it used aughts, to be it used to be very hard to tell the difference between this and, like, a car show. Yeah. I mean, that was the, the model, basically. Yeah. yeah, in the early aughts, it was just girls in thongs and bikinis mm -hmm. everywhere at E3. And so the ESA did do a good job, I feel like, cleaning it up and culturally getting it to a decent place. But I think that's the least of the concerns with the industry, honestly. Yeah, at this point, as much just, as they want to talk about it, it's I don't just feel a like dinosaur. They, yeah, what? Like the concept of, e, of, a, of an E3 is a dinosaur at this point. It has been for a long time. So do you think that's the case for all conventions? Um, I think it's the case with all conventions that are centered on this sort of promotional business aspect. Yeah, I don't think it's the case with something like PAX that form because fans want to get together and and but play like CES together. and stuff like that, just industry conventions. Because like, dude, those happen in Vegas 
yeah. every week. Like, I mean, I would argue that like CES is not nearly on the level of waste and and graft as this. Like, you know, like like in the in terms of like CES know, is gigantic. It is gigantic, it's like but four it also times covers, the size. But it of covers E3. everything. It and does, it, yeah. And it's like it's an actual place you can go and get all of tech in one location. Mm-hmm. Um, this is so specific. E three is so specific, and it's so particularly in terms of the subject. That's part of the problem is the subject matter is readily available online and you can reach that audience online at any time no matter mm-hmm. what like it's like it's different if you're going to a boat show or something you know like or like a a dental tech convention or something mm-hmm. like there's not a i mean there are obviously dentistry communities online but is everyone in that world is everyone influential in that world plugged in the way they are in, in video games no like video games in particular are, are the earliest canary in the coal mine in terms of maybe you should just take this thing online cuz there's no reason to there's no reason to pack thousands of people into this convention center and have you know a week of 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 the same three pictures of every booth flying out from everybody who attends because it's just like who cares anymore yeah. you know it was different back in the day i've said this before but it's different back in the day when we were like one of the three camera crews on the floor yeah when, we, when if you wanted to see anything Access that happened really at meant E3, something back then yeah. now it means really nothing nothing I mean, you want to see every anything that happened at e3 you basically had the option of those three out you know us or vic or maybe a local news outlet yeah and cnn would show up and or you waited a month and a half for the magazines to run their things, or maybe you had a blog that had some like you know you know four eighty i pics they took with an elf camera or something like it just wasn't the same. And now like, everyone has a cell phone camera. They walk cell- around live streaming the floor right. from their cell phones. <laughs> and the tech online has advanced to the point that you don't need to do this big elaborate setup to get the information to your customers. You can just start a Twitch stream. Yeah. Like, it's just, there's just no reason for it anymore. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Gamescom? And there's a bunch of other conventions that are more fan-centric that do the socialization aspect way better. Yeah. What about Gamescom? Um, I don't know. It's long for this world? I don't know. Like, I, I it's hard to tell. I don't know as much about Gamescom. Um, yeah. Gamescom is also more, uh, I think, more attendee-focused. I mean, there's just way more... Way more fans people, there. Yeah. but it's also always been about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's different when you're talking about some even the to, even TGS. You're talking about Tokyo Game Show. That's they've always let the public in. Mm-hmm. You know, and they've they've always had an angle for that. They've always had a reason for that. E3 has struggled to make that pivot, and to this day, I do not think outside of the cachet of I want to go to E3. E3 is a thing I've heard about my whole life, and I want to say I went at least once. Um, I don't think going to E3 as a member of the general public is worth the money it would cost. I would argue that they need to lower the cost to get in. For that sure. too. Yeah. But I'm not even just talking the cost to get in. I'm talking the cost to get to and stay in downtown Los Angeles. Well, some people come and they just want to take a vacation to L.A. and then mm-hmm. E3 is just a part. Sure, but part of the problem with that is to get to is to the beach go to, from to go downtown. To, yeah, to go to <laughs> E3, you have hall. to stay in a play, in a part of L.A. that is not really has any doesn't really have anything else you'd want to see as a tourist. Outside oh, come on. You want to see this guy dance, Matt? I mean, you could see that outside the convention center, too. Um, I mean, it's it's just, I don't know. Like, part of it's just the fact that I've been to 20-something of these things. But it's like... Yeah, uh, we're j- I mean, we're jaded. Let's be honest. But, but also, I know what they used to be, and they aren't that anymore. And it's they don't serve the same purpose, and they don't, they don't serve the same uh, uh, audience, really, anymore. Like, I don't know who a lot of this is for. Yeah. Um... Because the people that you need to reach are going to be reached by those live streams and those Nintendo Directs already. So why are these companies spending millions of dollars to be here 
Like, does is anyone is anyone like more impressed or hyped or excited that they put a dying light light ban- two banner up that was the size of like a a small basketball court? I'm not. That cost a hundred grand yeah. to hang that banner. To, to hang not exaggerating, by the way. That no, banner. That's how much that cost. About a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. That's not even counting printing it. Right. Um, and then storing it. Yeah, but I mean the cost is a hundred thousand to hang it there. Yeah, just the ESA. For the space there. That's the kind of ESA money that the ESA money is making. To put that there. Yeah. yeah. And, and I can understand where publishers would be like, you know what, screw this. Yeah. Like, and you know what would see, more people would see a Twitter ad. Also realize Dying Light Two. This is E3 2018. Yeah. That game just came For out a long time. <laughs> Was it worth spending a hundred grand four, four years, years ago? ago for that game? I mean, I'm sure that that's the calculations, the calculus yeah. that these publishers are doing right now. Yeah. And meanwhile, you got stuff like Bethesda is like, we're going to show this six months before it happens, and it's going to come out, and it's going to sell fine. five million copies yeah. in the first week. Yeah, it's. I understand what you're saying. Um, I'm a little more nostalgic for E3 than you are, but I'm also a realist, and I do understand that it is a lot of money for the publishers mm-hmm. to attend. But I also realize, Matt, that these publishers make a lot of freaking money. Yeah, like make a lot of money. Sure, and but but they also want to spend that money in a smart way, and I don't think this is seen as a smart way to spend it anymore. I agree with that. And another thing I would argue is that you know there are people who work at these gaming publishers, testers, and things like that who make poverty wage. Mm-hmm. There is no reason that anyone who works on a game that ends up selling ten to twenty million copies should be working for minimum wage. Right. When you make a you need profit, a living wage for the area you're in. When you right, when you end up making a profit of a billion dollars on one game, your testers should not be paid minimum wage. No. And if quitting stuff like this frees because up, your testers are the last line of defense. Right. Between I mean, you and the they're, public. they're your employees on yeah. a bill on a product that's going to make a billion dollars in profit in a lot of cases. Mm. It's to me that is crazy. These people should be getting paid more. And if bailing on E3 frees up some funds to pay some of those people the money that they deserve mm-hmm. to be paid, I'm cool with it. Yeah. Or, but or I like, have no faith whatsoever that that will actually no. happen. Well, and also, like you, like uh, from a more utilitarian point of view, I'm at, okay, so if you're spending millions to be here, hundreds of thousands per banner, to, to think about like what would be a better use of that money? You know what I, I would say is better use of that money? Take all that money. Probably wouldn't cost as much as it cost to be at E3 for one year. Mm-hmm. Take all that money and start your own little media outlet in-house. Right. And just regularly broadcast, live stream stuff about your own company's games, uh, interviews with your own company's developers and, and creative people, um, little little promotional things about stuff. Like, like just, you know, like do that. Just basically start a Twitch channel for your own company. Yeah. And it would probably cost as much or less to oh, pay less. To pay the people and have <laughs> the space less. and all that, yeah, it would it would be a better and it would reach more people over all the course of the year and people would remember it and you wouldn't be wondering if you'd wasted your money on a hundred thousand dollar banner four years before a game came out. GX Gear brings up a good point. Imagine being worth less than an E3 banner doing yeah. QA. I mean, yeah. you're dude, you're worth like a third of that banner. Yeah. Well, not that much. Testers, man, they get paid like thirty grand, even here in LA. Some places, yeah. Most, but you're gonna the biggest studios. I mean, minimum wage gets you a little more than that usually, but then you're gonna lose a bunch of it to taxes. Yeah, um, it's awful, especially if you're working overtime. But like, and it's a it's an awful job too. Let's yeah. be honest, it's not glamorous in the least. Yeah. So, and then I saw Vincent earlier said that he doesn't think Nintendo will bail um, because. Nintendo doesn't tend to work with Jeff as much as the other publishers. What do you? How do you feel about that? I mean, they they used to. 
But I mean, they do work with. They him. do work with him. I think Reggie leaving uh, made it a bit of a wrench in that. He's yeah, not, he's not as buddy buddy with Bowser. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, I think Nintendo will show up for as long as it's a thing. But I just you know, until it looks until it looks bad. Vincent you know? says, "I think Nintendo will always pay for a booth. They aren't as willing to play with Jeff." Yeah, I mean, maybe. Like, I, there's, there will come a point where if PlayStation and Microsoft and, like, if it's just going to be Nintendo's booth surrounded by a bunch of, like, third-party controller hawker booths, like, I think Nintendo will re- recognize that those are bad optics. Um, but, yeah, I, w- I would definitely agree that Nintendo and Ubisoft would probably be the last people standing uh, as E3 slowly collapses like a fly on the coverage should they continue this. Um, I just don't think they're, I don't, don't think it's coming back. Vincent also says, I think a lot of whether E3 comes back or not depends on how Gamescom and TGS do. Now, mm. TGS, I would say, is just irrelevant. Yeah, I don't anomaly. think they'd be looking at TGS But for I that. think games, there's some truth to that with Gamescom. Yeah. If it's attendance I mean, is Gamescom really happened down. last year, didn't it? No. no just digitally. It? Just digital. This year, they're doing it in person, though. And the crazy part is, is in Europe, COVID numbers are still dicey. Mm-hmm. It's not like it is here, where we're basically mask-free and just... I mean, well, yeah. my life is back. Like, I can do whatever I want now in the U.S. Like For now. For now, you're right. I mean, it could sort of I mean, right we back. got a little lucky in that um, for two reasons. First, uh, the, you know, the, the BA2, the, Om- the second Omicron variant is sweeping in right as the weather's warming up and mm-hmm. everyone's going out. You know, it's not, it's not, be not outside. Be as bad. Harder to also, uh, it looks like Astra- the AstraZeneca vaccine has almost no defense against the Omicron variant. Um, the numbers coming out of Britain are are horrifying, and that's the curve for that variant here is just not matching what it was in mm-hmm. Australia and Britain. So, um, I mean, we're all mostly vaxxed, too. Let's be honest. So are they? But like, it's like it's something like eighty seven percent of the new cases are vaxxed people. Like, it's bypassing the the AstraZeneca thing because it's mutated we're, so many times. No, AstraZeneca just does not seem to have an effect on it uh, Our, the, we don't have AstraZeneca here we have we have other ones so they're going to need to come up with a, a real fancy new booster to fix some of that uh, but because of the confluence of spring and summer plus uh, you know not having the AstraZeneca I think um, we might get real lucky and that whole thing might die out before it becomes October and it's time to go back inside and spike the numbers again um, I will say that, like, we were at, uh, you know, in, in Phoenix, there was nobody wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Nothing. At one point, we were in an in-and-out, and two buses pulled up and disgorged 200 maskless college or high school <laughs> students from a track team that just yeah. flooded the thing. And I turned, I turned to the director of the film, and it's like, this is where we get it. Yeah. This is where it happens. Like <laughs> people aren't wearing them here either, though. I mean, and, uh, it's, it's it's more than it was there. I, I'm we, sure yeah. we were wearing masks in the in and out, but we were the only five people. I believe it. Doing it. You're in you're in Arizona. Um, um, AJ the Legend Watson says we may be in a different time, but I think there is something special about quote unquote being there. Um, I agree to somewhat, an extent. To an extent, but also like being there now still means there's no EA, there's no Sony, there's no you know it's like. You're missing very big, you know, Microsoft is across the street and you got to get in through a separate thing. Like you're missing. It's not the it's not that feeling that it used to be where it's like, oh, the whole industry is here. We're all everyone's in this this center. Like it, it was all right here. You're in the you're in the beating heart of the game industry right now. That's that's not there anymore. You know, Sony's gone. Like the fact that there's no PlayStation presence is is a is a, is a, a big nail in the coffin. It's huge. Yeah, it's, you know. He does bring up a good point, though. Um, the costs associated with these conventions suck, but the memories, in my opinion, mean more. And I will say this. 
the older I get, the more value I place in memories versus like crap that I buy. Mm. Um, the people that I'm with and the memories that I build with them, there's, to me, there's a lot of value in that. Um, and I think that's probably why I'm a little sure. nostalgic for E3 because it's one the one time every year I do get to see people that I've known yeah. for 20 years. Yeah, I will just say that I did go to E3 uh, as a member of the general public uh, early on. Mm-hmm. I, I, I snuck in for the first three, two yeah. or three years I went. And then becoming part of the industry and being part of an outlet, night and fucking day. Yeah. Like, if, like being, it was cool to see stuff, but like the 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 appeal of E three to me ended up be entirely being part being part of it, not just being there. Yeah, I think being there for something like Comic Con or PAX or even TGS, you know, more public and more fan centered uh, events mm-hmm. is completely different from going to E three, which has always been a business industry event that barely cares if you're there unless you serve a purpose. Yeah, um, I'd agree with that. And that is just not how conventions, as we generally think of them, work. And it's something that the ESA has struggled to grapple with. Um, they have they even even before everything shut down, uh, even E3 2019 was not a particularly public friendly event. Like it just I'd agree. wasn't. Yeah. It was, and, and especially because so many of the things you'd wait around for hours to see a demo of or get your hands on to play briefly, you could have waited way less time to play it at Comic Con in a few months. Yeah, um, but you won't, it's not the same. They don't have all the same stuff there. Not E3 all the same, is, but a lot more. of it was a lot of like, all the stuff. Almost all the stuff they were willing to to show the public, and like really the the thing that the public most was excited about, other than Nintendo, in all the time, all the years, the uh, the few years they let the public in, the biggest hit was Spider Man. That one year they had Spider-Man yeah. playable, and now that's not relevant because Sony's gone. Right. Um. I guess yeah, the Fortnite booth, but like, yeah, the Fortnite booth is always a big. The deal. Fortnite booth is a big deal because it's got stuff to do. Yeah, it's fun. Like it has almost yeah. nothing to do with Fortnite. No, exactly. You know? Like I don't think you can even play Fortnite. No. There. Like, well, what, what are you gonna do? They have nothing to talk about or show. It's just yeah. like, here's, here's a new hat. Or a new here's umbrella. stuff you recognize yeah. and go ride the wild llama. Like, it's like, you know, I mean, if I mean, look, Epic gets it. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. like, because because the whole, the gist of the Fortnite booth is like, well, the one thing we can be sure of, because we've been here before, is that people are gonna be bored. Yeah. <laughs> so let's give them something to do. Kevin Rafa asks, could the ESA somehow convince Rockstar to show up at E3? No one can convince Rockstar to do anything. Anything. Yeah. Rockstar hasn't been at E3 since probably 2008 or 2009. Yeah, long, long time. It ago. has been a long, long time since Rockstar was there. I do remember their last booth. It was basically like a chain link fence. Yeah, chain link. It was. It was like a. It was like a junkyard. <laughs> it looked awful. Like they didn't even have a huge presence, really. No, and was, we couldn't even get in. They yeah, wouldn't they wouldn't take let a meeting with in, us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're ever coming back. Um, honestly, I. I don't think you could give them any amount of money to come no, back. Rockstar either. knew before anyone. Yeah, really. I mean, two K is there. Two K is there, but Rockstar knew. Like Rockstar was beyond. Yeah. Anything at a, very early on. Yeah. It, well, it they figured they, out know, it was better than, or it thought it was better than the rest of the industry a yeah. long time ago. <laughs> after after San Andreas, they knew they didn't need to answer to anybody. Yeah. Um, and so far, they're right. So, so final question here is, does E3 come back next year? I'd be surprised. I would be too at this point. Maybe in a digital form if they can get their act together. But I dep- think the digital form is even less likely because what's going to happen, Matt, is Jeff Keighley's going to take it over this year. Yeah, if, he's going to kill it. Assuming Jeff's thing does well, like there's. You know, Why that, would it not? It would take yeah. a disaster. I mean, what Jeff, I think is more likely is Jeff 
uh, adds an in-person component to yeah. his thing. I mean, let's be honest, Matt. You and I, or Jeff, we could all do a digital E3 that would just do gangbusters. Mm. It's not that hard. It's all about getting the games. If you get the games and get the content, the rest mm. just happens. Like, anyone who's worked in production can create one of these shows. No freaking problem. IGN could do it. Mm. And it is a little weird to me that IGN wasn't the ones that did this. That Jeff Keighley is the one who has taken over E3 instead of IGN. Yeah. I mean, we saw, you know, it doesn't super shock me because Jeff has always been, um, Jeff has always been willing to play the game outside the lines. Uh, and that has been his great strength. Like even back in the day, everyone's like, how does he keep getting all those crazy exclusives? And it's like, well, because he doesn't go through PR, he goes through marketing because mm -hmm. he knows all the marketing people he does, through yeah. connections through his dad and stuff. Yep. And that was his secret. Yeah. Um, and in this case, everyone, I remember when he first started the summer games thing and started, you know, he decided to break away from E3 and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, how is, why is he doing it? Why is he going to challenge that? I'm like, man, don't underestimate, you know, I'm, I am no huge fan of how he does some of his stuff. Um, in fact, I think it's bizarre that the Oscars were more like the game awards mm -hmm. this year yeah. in the sense that they did a bunch of the awards ahead of time and barely buzzed through them as though they didn't matter. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's not what you need. To, you're emulating in the wrong direction here, boys. Yeah. But, um, don't underestimate him. Don't underestimate his ability. Oh, to see I don't. The path. I worked with him for like ten years. I and know. Here, and he knew. You know, look, he exactly was, what he, he was do. so he was so inside on on the E three stuff, and he worked with him forever, and he knew it was coming. And you know, I think I said at the time when he you know he broke off like last year, the year before, whatever it was, for his own thing. I'm like, he knows something. Yeah. Like something's happening. He sees what's coming, and he knows this is his time to go independent. But you're and right. He was when, right. When I was at Game Trailers, and he was doing his TV show on Spike Game Trailers TV mm -hmm. with Spike TV, and we coordinated every week on exclusives. I would I talked to PR people to get exclusives for the website. The people he was talking to, I didn't even know who they were. No. And he but would they're get, the ones who call the shots, they, right? Because PR would be like, "Oh, we we you know we do the thing. We, we plan this, but we can't because marketing's doing this thing with Keely." Like, oh, Why? I would get calls from like, no, PR marketing, people marketing and be like, "Because he would get stuff for the show, and then as soon as it aired on the show, it would go on to GameTrailers.com, and it was huge. Like, and then I had because of that, we had so much, so many people on the site that I could get exclusives for almost anything just by asking PR, but. A lot of times I would get calls from PR people. They're like, where in the hell did that come from? I'm like, Keely. And they're like, but Keely didn't talk to me. And I'm like, exactly. Mm -hmm. He didn't talk to you. He talked to somebody, your boss. Yeah, he or, talked to way, someone way over your head. Yep. And, or someone who works in marketing instead of PR. Yeah, where the marketing money, controls all of it. Because they control the money. Yeah. Yeah. Marketing can make changes to the games. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like marketing is why the assassins, the assassins in Assassin's Creed wear uniforms. Yeah. Even though they're not supposed to. Right. They're supposed to blend in with everything. Yeah. But the Templars all look different, and the Assassins all wear the, a notable uniform the with a point on their with hood. The point. Yeah. Because marketing was like, well, like we want that to be recognizable. Yeah. And what you know, you what marketing says, you do. Yeah, I would say it's more likely that E3 doesn't come back than it does. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you, if Keeley's going to knock it out of the park, Summer Games Fest, I know he is. And why would any of the publishers want to work with the ESA again on a digital event? They right. won't. Not for the amount of money they're going to try to charge. So there's not, I don't, I think the chance. And on top of that, if the ESA isn't charging money for it, why does the ESA want to do it? I know. That's the whole point for right. them. Yeah. It's a money-making event. So I think the chances of the ESA doing digital E3 next year, like zero. Pretty low, yeah. The chances of doing an in-person event, I'd say right now is about 50-50. Mm -hmm. And I'd heard, I don't have any proof of this, but I'd heard that they didn't even keep up their re reservation on the convention center. Oh, really? 
that's a really bad sign. Which would sign. indicate something. Yeah. That's a really, really bad But sign. I think the most likely outcome is E3 just doesn't come back, or it comes, or if it comes back, it's just sort of like, a, we're going to invite the business people to like hang out in the Marriott and make their deals or whatever, but there's not going to be a show floor. Yeah. And, um, and Jeff gets his ultimate goal of having a game awards in style the middle of the year. thing in the in the middle of the year. You know, he's got every six each every six months yeah. that's his year now. He spends six months planning the game awards. He spends six months the next six months planning the summer games fest. And he's got kind of the industry covered from, you know, each end of the year. Um and that is uh and I think he will simply be the fortress of that for a long time until he shows some sign of weakness or faltering, um, which will take a sea change in how uh, this media is presented, and that may happen. You know, maybe, maybe he never, maybe Jeff in the end does not adjust to the VR revolution properly, and some mm-hmm. next generation Jeff Keighley or comes whatever. in. Yeah. yeah, maybe some new Jeff Keighley equivalent comes in and figures that out, and that, and he and suddenly he's the the ESA. or Facebook or someone does it. Yeah, I mean, I have a hard time seeing Facebook, uh, like a corporate entity like that, moving in. Without just moving in on him. What's what's because what might happen there is someone just buy tries to buy the game awards from Jeff. What's the best way to kickstart the metaverse though? To do it in E three in the metaverse because you peep the people who are most likely to have VR HMDs are gamers. Yeah, but gamers are also the least likely to agree to have a Facebook account and buy your own, <laughs> your VR headset to do that. If they needed to do it to watch E three stuff, they do it. You would never be able to have that happen, though. It could be. I mean, I'm talking five years down the road. Yeah, whatever. but you would never have a VR exclusive event. You'd, li- you'd limit yourself too much. Facebook would have to start that event themselves, and Facebook is not going to have the access that because all Jeff has to do with that is counter program, or they hire Jeff. <laughs> that all comes down to how willing Jeff is to sell out. Right. And the thing is that Jeff doesn't need the money. Yeah, he so, doesn't. He's never needed. And money. I think he values. I mean, this can always change, but I think Jeff values his independence. Yeah, and how I'm he sure. thinks it should be done. More than he would value, like a payout from Meta. I'm sure, so, but it's um, not looking good for E3. And like, I'll be honest with you, Matt, I don't even really miss like all the B-roll that you guys were just watching from the last several E3s. Like, I don't even necessarily, I don't think I'll miss that because the people that we know in the industry, you don't even see them on the floor no, anymore. None because of because they're the all anymore. like executives or whatever, mm-hmm. and they're not out on the floor walking around anymore. No, it's, they're they're doing biz dev stuff over at the Marriott or and and what I will miss is stuff like Packers Party, mm-hmm. where everybody gets together and you get to see everybody you haven't seen for and in this case it's been like four years yeah. now it feels like. Um, that's what I'll miss, and you can still do that with a summer game fest. Mm-hmm. You can Patrick can still do an E three party. Yeah, all you, if, but if, it's a summer game fest yeah, party. Yeah, if Jeff does an in person equivalent like with the game awards, then like yeah, everyone will come into town for that. I don't think Jeff will ever do an in person event. It's way too much work, way too much hassle. I just don't think it'll happen. I think he he the will, logistics of that are pretty insane. The logistics would be more or less the same as the game awards. I th- I don't think you would do a a show floor a big thing like that. I think you would just have an audience yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and you'd bring in you know you want to bring in the developers, do interviews and stuff like that. It still brings everybody into town more or less sure. at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So anyway, I believe it's probably the end of an era. Yeah, which sucks. I was saying on Good Morning Gaming how you know E three is a big reason why I ever joined the industry. Because mm-hmm. when I launched my fan site back in college, back in the mid to late nineties, like the the whole the holy grail was going to E three. The first time I walked into my first E three, I was like, Oh my god, I will do anything to become a part of this industry. And I did, and it somehow happened. And so I'm 
always going to have that affinity for the show because without it, I don't think I would have ever done this. Mm-hmm. So it do- it's a little disappointing to me too because I I think about someone who's 18 right now and they're launching their own YouTube channel and maybe their dream is to go to E3 one day and now that it's stuff not. is it's not their their dream is their dream is not to go to a show that hasn't happened since they were 15. Their, but their, what is their dream? Their dream is to have a successful YouTube channel. But I mean, my dream was to have a successful website. But like, as, a, as a conduit to get into the industry, they want the, the dream now is to have your own business, basically. Your dream now is to have that big Twitch channel. The dream now is to have access and influence. It's not so much to go to this thing. Hmm. That's not really as important. Or if you go to that thing, you better be the center of it. No, That's part that's, of it, that's too. That's too bad. Um, it's a, it's a, the influ, influencer culture is a very different thing because I understand what you mean when you talk about like, seeing that place and want to be like I get it I did that too mm-hmm. the difference for me is like it's inspiring right the difference for me is that I don't think it has been inspiring for more than a decade um, that we that was in, that was a function of E3 from when we were that age and that isn't what it is anymore the world has changed the world has moved on as Stephen King would say and time takes no prisoners and that mm. includes E3 I don't know I still have I I wouldn't go that far but. Um, I do think it's teetering on the brink of never coming back. It's right there. I don't. I mean, I'm not saying the E3 that ESA is not dumb enough to try it, but I really don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. It's oh, it took too. It's you, you wasted too many years. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they could have tried it this choice. year. They could have tried it this year, but I think they used the pandemic thing as an excuse to shit because they they announced that real early. Like mm-hmm. you, like yeah, you got to plan a lot of stuff, stuff but like. You know, or maybe they didn't want to throw that much money at the planning and have to cancel it if something went wrong by June. Um, yeah, I just, I, I've really, I said at the time, I still believe like they were using it as an excuse to not do it this year. And this way, well, if they, that's the case, and they're definitely not. But they already said they're doing it next year. They also said they were going to do a digital event this year. Yeah, a lot of stuff can change. Yeah. By the way, we should have mentioned that that the ESA on the record has stated that it is doing both a digital and in person event next year. So. Mm-hmm. And in Los Angeles, and they're saying there's going to be a bunch of changes, and it's going to be more awesome, blah blah blah. But we've, as Matt said, we've heard that before, so we'll see how it goes. But anyway, that's E3, or what may be the lack thereof. What it was. was E3? Yeah. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about PlayStation. The entire industry's been on a spending spree, buying mm-hmm. up all these studios. And Matt, what I realized is that. We've kind of been saying that PlayStation has been having its lunch eaten by Microsoft, and in some ways it has, because Microsoft kind of did all the big, the big uh, priced, the high-profile acquisitions. But I went back and kind of looked. PlayStation has acquired a lot of studios in the last like year and a half or two years, and just this week, Jim Ryan said that they're not done, mm-hmm. that they are going to acquire more studios. We'll get to whether that's a good idea or not, but first... I just want to run down very quickly the studios that it's bought in the last couple of years. Housemark, actually, we could probably add Insomniac because that was 2019, I believe. Yeah. So Insomniac, Housemark, Bluepoint, Bungie, Fire Sprite, Nixes, Fabric Games, Valkyrie Entertainment, and they just bought Jade Raymond Studio, Haven Studios. Mm-hmm. Those were all since 2019. So are we wrong for saying that Microsoft has kind of been out dueling? PlayStation with these acquisitions? Um, I mean, I think most of Microsoft's acquisitions have been a bigger deal in terms of what they bring with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know, Insomniac obviously makes a ton of sense. Um, Bungie is a big deal. 
Um, otherwise, a lot of those companies, I don't know what they do. Um, whereas, like, you tell me Bethesda or Obsidian, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, and I think Microsoft's been louder about it, mm-hmm. like, because you know, they know they don't have anything else. They need to give people something to look forward to. Whereas Sony's just like, we don't need to tell you we acquired all these things, because you'll find out when I, we release a game from them in a couple of years. In the meantime, here's all these other things you want to play. Like, yeah. they don't need to give us something to look forward to beyond what's already there. Uh, whereas Microsoft needs to kind of re- reassure everyone. Uh, and that's what they've been doing. You know, they do it under the, under the auspices of like the hype's coming, da, da, da. but it's like, you know, they want you to know there's more coming than just Gears of War. Mm-hmm. You know, they want you to know that there's going to be a, a lineup in the next couple of years that like has variety and something for everyone. And it's not just going to be two shooters in a racing game. Now, some of these studios, granted, they're not huge acquisitions. Nix's, Fabric, um, Valkyrie Entertainment. Yeah, like I don't know what. I, my guess is most of those studios were purchased just to be support studios mm-hmm. when they need someone to handle the multiplayer mode, or they need someone to handle a remaster or a remake of an existing game. I think those studios were probably acquired for that kind of stuff. But there's no denying, obviously, Insomniac and Housemark and Bluepoint and Bungie. And to a certain extent, Fire Sprite, which wasn't a big deal when it was acquired, but it does sound like PlayStation is putting a lot of investment into that studio mm-hmm. and trusting it with some big projects. It's, it's reportedly working on Twisted Metal, and there's I think it's working on a unique game right now as well. Um, so it's I don't think it's just going to be a support studio. But do you think maybe we're underselling PlayStation, though, a little bit? And do you think this is smart? Um... No, I don't think we're underselling it. I think I think those are less high profile acquisitions yeah. compared to something like Bun- like like Bethesda. I mean, yeah. it's just like Elder Scrolls is probably never going to be on a PlayStation system again. Mm-hmm. Like that's a bigger deal than they bought Blue Point. Yeah. Um I don't I don't know if it's smart. I mean, I don't know like some of those those companies I just don't know what they're doing. You know, I don't I don't I don't have a, a perspective on why you you know, you you're buying them to fill out the roster with smaller scale releases. Um, which Sony does seem to value. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't have an opinion on that until I see what they're going to do with them. Until they. Until we see some output from them. Should Sony keep buying more studios? I mean, I think they should be picky about it. I don't think they're. I think their stable is pretty solid as it is. I do think, and I think you know. I know they'd have to go through some some parent companies, buy some parent companies to get it. Um, you could do worse than to buy from. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that would that would be the last big piece the on the board. That's the ball that's sitting on the tee right now. Yeah, that's I the mean, last big the piece last on the board. Most viable studio you could purchase. Yeah, if you have to buy a PlayStation to play the next, you know, Elden Ring, that could be a big that's deal. A big deal. Yeah, Not, there aren't a lot of people studios. gonna be unhappy about that. The the PC players would be unhappy to have to wait a year. There aren't like, many studios left out there that make sense on that scale. No, like you. I mean. On that scale, which is no. important, because you could Bandai Namco, Capcom, those are all bigger yeah. purchases than. From and I, th- I think if anyone buys Bandai Namco, it's going to be Nintendo. Yeah, because um, they already partnered with them in so many. Yeah, there's cases. already there's already relations there. I mean, I guess somebody could try to buy UB, but <laughs> could, like... could you imagine how much the internet would melt down if Nintendo bought From Software? <laughs> oh, I can't even imagine. Like, so outside the box. Oh my gosh, I guess that would could... be a ground shaker. That's for sure. Like. Koei, like Tecmo Koei, like yeah. I don't know if anyone would want to dive into that, and they, I would not. It just doesn't seem worth it. No, like I think that you get Dynasty the, Warriors money is dried up a long time yeah, ago. I think you get the best of that by doing what Nintendo does and just partnering with them when you need to. Uh huh. Um, 
Yeah, I think From is the biggest piece left on the board at this point. I'd agree. Yeah. And in terms is, of things you could you could feasibly buy, like, I don't think you could feasibly buy Ubisoft or 2K or anything yeah. like that. It's EA. a little complicated because they do, they are yeah, owned by I mean, a parent company, but the day may come when EA is is on the block. Like yeah. they're 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 you know especially with this change with FIFA, like I don't know how that's gonna go. Yeah, because they're basically losing the FIFA license. Yeah. Although it looks, sounds like they'll still have all the players and teams somehow. Yeah, they're just gonna be EA Sports Football Club. Yeah. Because they're because the, it's like the Players Association is a different. Different license. This game is so gorgeous, by the way. Yeah. It's Demon Souls remake, really, just stunning. <laughs> yeah, I loaded it up again after you know taking a break from Elden Ring, like running through running through this, and like, you know, one of the things that I really like was surprised to notice is like this game's so easy now. Oh, like, compared have, to like Elden Ring, compared to like playing the others for so long, and, uh-huh. and it just how smooth this is now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure I wouldn't think that the original was all that easy if I pulled it up on PS3 because it's so choppy and clunky yeah, it's, places it's but like it's this really thing archaic. this thing just plays like butter to the point that it's yeah. just like oh this is great like this is this is no problem at all um matt do you really fear good. that we're gonna get to a place where there are no third parties anymore no no there will always be third parties that rise to fill those those niches like i mean one that's kind of rising now is like embracer and thq nordic embracer thq nordic devolver um but devolver's all indie small stuff so were some of these others for a long time like thq nordic was you know, nordic games was not a player until they bought thq and became a player yeah um, and got but the that is an anomaly it. that doesn't happen a lot yeah but it happened all it needs to do is happen five or six times in yeah. the course of 20 years and then there you've got your new lineup of third parties and devolver is getting there devolver uh dmca'd some stuff uh, the other day uh, for this one channel. I can't remember what it was, but basically they did a thing that was very anti- the antithesis of what Devolver presents themselves as being. So they are living long enough to see themselves become the villain. Um, so we'll see. But we did just kind of mention that there's really one pawn left on the board. I mean, isn't it already kind of getting a little scarce? No. Because we just also mentioned a bunch of guys that are not acquirable because they're too big. You got 2K, right. you got EA, you got Ubisoft, you got... Uh, Capcom. I mean, I guess somebody could probably buy Capcom if they wanted you to. You could definitely but like, buy Capcom. But Capcom doesn't seem interested in that right now. Um, they just had a great year financially. Yeah. In fact, I think they just gave every employee at the company like a huge 30% mm-hmm. raise, like which I, is awesome. Yeah. That's exactly That's you what you it. should do after you have a good year. Um, it's also a good way to get prevent yourself from being acquired. Yeah. And a good way to prevent your employees <laughs> from unionizing. That's true. Um, yeah, that is true. So, yeah, I, don't, I think there's the, the third-party realm is plenty healthy, and you've got all these other indies that are coming up, and you know, and, and there's nothing stopping a lot of those indies that become established from forming, like, another Devolver kind of thing. That might be some of the future is sort of these sort of conglomerate, like, almost almost like um, almost like work co-ops of indie studios that kind yeah. of band together like that. I mean, Embracer's kind of like that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. The Collective used to be like that until mm-hmm. they got bought. Yeah. Um, Embracer's growing by leaps and bounds yeah. and let's not forget that part of the point of establishing a business in almost any industry is to be especially tech is to be acquired mm-hmm. like that's your cash yeah. out that's what yeah. people want it just um, it doesn't feel like but there will always be someone starting a new one yeah it doesn't feel like there's anything in place to keep it from happening what from happening this consolidation where i mean eventually it could get to a place where microsoft does buy ea yeah, or it does buy Ubisoft. But what I'm saying is, that there will be something else to fill that niche. That's just how it goes. There, there, there will always be room for third party product. And if EA and these big guys we think of as being the de- definition of third party go away because they get acquired, something else will fill that role. Will you have any ideas on what the next acquisition may be for PlayStation? 
I mean, Congrim is throwing out Remedy Entertainment. Remedy would be a, a pretty decent pick. Um, although I think you're kind of in the Bethesda realm with that, where it's like they're so good, but they're so unreliable sales wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I'm not sure. I wonder what the price on that would be. Uh, IO Interactive feels like they're kind of hanging out there, especially yeah. if that James Bond game does well. Right. Yeah. Um, For those of you a, guys who don't know, they also make Hitman. Hitman. Yeah, the Hitman guy. I mean, I think the James Bond game is going to be very much like Hitman. It'll probably um, sell better than Hitman. Maybe. I mean, Hitman, the hit, the last Hitman, Hitman 3 did, well. did real well. Yeah. Hitman 3 was up there. Yeah. Um, that was like an 88 Metacritic or something. Yeah, it, was, it still boggles my mind, but whatever. Um, but it did sell well, too, at least out of the gate. It didn't appear to have legs. No, but... it's still going, though. Yeah. Yeah, and they're still adding a new DLC to it. And Dark Force 256 asks, at what point is it a monopoly? I mean, that's a good question. And I... That, I mean, the FTC is supposed to stop stuff like this. Right. Um, in fact, I don't know if you saw, but four U.S. senators sent a letter to the FTC telling them, you need mm-hmm. to look closer at the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal. Um, well, the answer to that is it's not a monopoly and never will be. Yeah. Um, the, the thing here is like, like if Microsoft bought Sony or Nintendo, like they bought a hardware manufacturer, they bought someone that allows you to, one of the companies that is the conduit for how you play video games, that's different. Mm -hmm. But there's no such thing as having a monopoly of ideas. Yeah. Like you can't own too many successful IP. Like that's not a thing. Um, You could argue that like, there's an argument to be made in in an antitrust suit that like, you couldn't beat this competitor, so you decided to buy them instead. Mm-hmm. But that is not what's happening in any in any instance of this in the game industry. Like that is not why Activision Blizzard was bought. Right, they were not bought because like Microsoft just couldn't figure out how to stop World of Warcraft. You know, right. they yeah. were bought because they were vulnerable, and the the owners wanted to get out of it. And Microsoft was the company that had enough money to buy them. But the they, like the trick is like it's sort of like the Disney thing. It's like did Disney buy the the method by which we make movies? Like, if I want to make a movie, do I have to go to Disney with my hat in hand and ask them to borrow a camera? No. That's so. Do you if you want to make a video game, do you have to go through Microsoft? No. Then it's not a monopoly. If yeah. you want to buy a video game console to play video games on, do you have to go through Microsoft? No. You can buy a PlayStation or a Switch. It's not a monopoly. The only monop the only real monopoly I know of that ever existed in the games industry. Some maybe you could argue. Atari 2600, maybe. But the only one that I really know of is Koei Tecmo during the PS1 era. You had to go through Koei Tecmo to have your games manufactured. Right. They had some crazy... They had some weird patent on on the disc pressing. Yes. Yeah. But other than that, like, no. Like, people... People look at monopolies like, oh, there's something that they have that I want that I can't get on this right. thing that and I that's have. Not what that's that is. not what a monopoly is. No. That's it they literally it literally has to be a company that corners an entire market on something. Yeah. And at this point, Microsoft is nowhere near that. And it's not like Microsoft's cornering the market place. on Call of Duty. No. It's cornering the market, market on video games. On a medium. Right. On, a, on, a, on, an, on an industry. That's, yeah. yeah, that's not what... If you control the means of production to the point that no one can produce anything else to compete with you, Microsoft is never going to be in that situation. Yeah, ever. Um, and, you know, you can just come up with a better idea. Right. And frankly, Sony's pretty good at coming up with better ideas mm-hmm. than Microsoft. It's so true. is Nintendo a yeah. lot of times. Um, and Which it's, is it's, why it, it's just never going to stick. <laughs> like the, the like Microsoft also has a reputation for this because they did get hit with some of that for Windows. 
Because, oh, right. Because Windows, you know, and Windows is a different deal because it's an operating system. It's the way you need, you know, it was so dominant that basically not only did you need to buy Windows to run your PC so you could run all the most important programs, but if you were making software, you basically had to make it for Windows yeah. if you stood a chip. That's, That's the problem there. Yeah. And there was the behind-the-scenes thing where, where Microsoft, especially, it was, was a big supporter of Apple because while they were competitors, Apple was no threat to them, and they knew that as long as Apple existed, they could point to them yeah. and say, look, there's our competition. They, have, Apple. they have an OS. Yeah. So that was very that's why they that's why Microsoft Office was available on Apple OS forever. Because so that they, they could they basically knew. maintain a monopoly. Yeah, we, we get <laughs> because funny. if you gave them that business software, it made I, I, you know iOS more more uh, more viable and guaranteed that Apple wouldn't go away. And when those iMacs hit and Apple had that resurgence. It was the best that, you know, Microsoft was, was thrilled. Microsoft. Yeah. They were thrilled because then yeah. you could point to that. It didn't quite work, especially when Linux started making noise about things because Linux showed how difficult it was to get a foothold in the face of that. So, yeah, you had an antitrust situation there. But that is not going to be the case as long as there's more than one game console out there. That's that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, oh, not even a problem. It's just, it's just, that's just not the argument to make. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and certainly nobody's going to be, you know, if you want to talk about, oh, you got too much money to throw around. Nintendo had more money than all their competitors combined for decades. Yeah. But it didn't matter. Yeah. You know? didn't also, matter. it didn't it didn't matter in the sense that it's not antitrust. And it also didn't matter in the sense that it didn't help them win. Yeah. Any, Some any, would argue yeah. that NES was maybe borderline monopoly. NES was, but part of that was because just no one else was in there yet. Yeah. No one know? else wanted to be a part of the games yeah. industry. And then Nintendo moved into a niche that was believed dead. Right. Like they were, yeah. they were, you know, they had to, you know, the reason. That's when consoles became known as Nintendos. Yeah. It's also yeah. when consoles, when video games became known as boys' toys. Mm-hmm. Because to get it into the stores, they had to market it as a toy. That's why it came with the light gun and mm-hmm. Rob the Robot, and why Rob the Robot went away so fast when yeah. it was established that they didn't need that anymore. Because yeah. no one would touch a video game system yeah. after the crash. And once they got into toy stores, they decided was their vector, their way to get in there. So like, okay, and they said, well, toy stores are organized by boys and girls toys. Who is Which this one for? are we putting it in? And they yeah. picked boys. Yeah. And that's when all of a sudden all mar- video game marketing shifted to being towards boys. Before that, look at the marketing. Look at the ads and the magazine ads and commercials and everything for the 2600 and tell yeah. all that stuff. It There's was always women it was in the a, ads. The whole family was always depicted. Mm-hmm. Or it was like George Plimpton in a suit telling you how great the Intellivision was. It was like, yeah. a, it was like a corporate <laughs> presentation. Yeah. Like there was no... There was no like, hey boy, you know, the, the the weird extreme gamer thing came out of being marketed in toy stores, not well, in. Well, I'll put it to you this not way: not in Sears Roebuck. My you know? sister, my older sister, played the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. She did not play video games after that. Mm. So proof in point. Yeah, because, anecdotal, but still. But it point. is a, a massive shift in how that was marketed. Yeah, and it's and it's a stigma that remains to this day. Yeah, like that was a decision they could not have possibly foreseen the ramifications for. But yeah, uh, Nintendo probably had a little bit, you know, and and Tengen came at them for stuff like that. But you know the mm-hmm. you know the the third the companies trying to make the, you know the third the third party cartridges and not have the Nintendo seal of approval on it, like, and they won. They did. They won that suit. Yeah. You know, like that's why those Tengen games are worth so much now. Yeah, because a lot of them were better than Nintendo's versions. Yeah, Tengen Tetris is way better than Nintendo oh yeah, Tetris. way better. Yep, I think acquiring more studios is smart because it's going to work no matter which strategy you want to use. So if you want to follow. Microsoft strategy of mm-hmm. a Game Pass service, you're going to need studios to create exclusive content. 
Yeah. If you want to follow PlayStation's existing strategy, which is create these awesome games and sell them for yeah. 60 or 70 bucks. Big boutique expense. You're going to need you know, studios to do that. So no matter what, it's like it's never a bad idea mm-hmm. to help your to build your first party yeah. roster game, of studios. Either Game Pass or just a standard traditional release schedule, you have to feed that beast. Yep, absolutely. And look, Microsoft has shown us firsthand in the Xbox One generation what happens if you don't stay on top of that. Yeah. You have these giant deserts in your schedule. Yep. And I think Sony is very much trying to avoid that. Um, the Abrams says Tencent has invested in more studios than Microsoft and Sony combined. That's true. Mobile, generally a mobile publisher. Yeah, um, but they have they've they have a ton of everything. money, man. Yeah, <laughs> they bought how much? What percentage of Epic do they own? Uh, I know it's not controlling. It's not controlling, but, but it's like it's getting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're definitely someone to watch. But I, meaning like if you're into the financial side of gaming, it's something to watch. For our mm. purposes, probably not. No, but if someone is going to go around screaming about Microsoft being a monopoly, they should really be paying more attention to Tencent because you never see those people talk about Tencent yeah because they're this Chinese company that's right also if they were doing that there's nothing over there doing their well there's nothing thing. we could do about it you yeah. know like the FTC can't you know they're, they're they not can't regulate of, they're not in America so yeah. it doesn't matter nothing they can do um, but if you're going to complain about Microsoft you should also be complaining about Tencent like twice as much yep. um, but also what Tencent has is also not a monopoly it's yep. just a lot of investments and things yep okay it's time to move on. We're going to talk next about April Fool's Day. I talked about this in Good Morning Gaming last week, how April Fool's, for whatever reason, is this huge thing. And actually, I want to get your take on that, Matt. Why do you think April Fool's has become such a thing in the games industry? Um, I mean, it's become, it became a big thing on the internet in general because it's so easy to fool people with some you know slick produced thing. Um, you know, People don't check anything. People don't double check. They just share it. And it's yeah. so easy to go viral with a cool thing or a dumb thing or a funny thing that it, I think it just became, especially in the era of social media, became uh, seen as like an easy in, an easy way to like get some eyeballs on you. I shared a story in Good Also, in terms of gaming, I think uh, it's big in gaming in particular because uh, a lot of people who are big game people, especially online, are A, um, very gullible, um, B, uh, don't check things, mm-hmm. and C, get really, really mad when they realize they've been fooled. And that is, and that is, <laughs> and a, per- that is a perfect storm <laughs> of entertainment for people who do these things. I shared a story in GMG about like the first year I worked in the industry. And for whatever reason, on April Fool's Day in 2001, the guy who, our news editor, was out. And he had gone to some event to play some game for preview or whatever. And they just threw me on news. They're like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mr. Features Editor, you're doing news today on April Fool's Day. And I went through, I vetted, like, I think I wrote 20 stories that day or whatever. I had vetted them all. And there was one story that was just so insignificant that, like, no one would even care about it. And I was like, surely, no, this story's legit. And I published it. And sure enough, it was an April Fool's joke, and I got burned by it. Hmm. And everyone there was understanding. They're like, oh, we threw you to the wolves today. It was, like, the worst day we could have put you on news, blah, blah, blah. But still, I got fooled by it, and it was a huge thing back then. And then... I did a little bit of research for that topic on GMG, and I just started remembering all the EGM stuff from, mm-hmm. like, 90, 91, 92. Like, yep, the, Sh- the uh, Shenglong 
Oh, I mean, thing. they've done so like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles code and like yeah, the Shenlong thing was the original to me because that was the one where I you know I saw that that magazine Street Fighter Two Street Fighter Two was like this ridiculous thing to get to fight um, Shenlong. Yeah, you had to um, play through it twice without taking any damage. Yeah, or you had to you had to fight through the game twice and win. And basically, like what basically the way Street Fighter Two worked is if you both tied, uh, it was a draw match and you got. Two, um, uh, you got two uh, rounds. Each person got a round, a one round, and then you do it again. If you draw again, um, actually, I think what happens is you lose. But they said in the because that, that never happens. Yeah, they said like what you need to do is is oh if you if you if you tie twice, you win and you'll move on. So you have to play the whole game twice, never taking damage and never dealing damage, and win through draws every time. <laughs> and then you had to. Um, it's surprising it was, that it fooled It was people. impossible. There was no possible <laughs> yeah, way. Exactly. And, it was, and then, like, you had to do something with Bison where, like, you had to, like, um, there was some trick to, to how you had to beat Bison. And people believed and it. And then if you did, the second time you went through the game, instead of fighting Bison, Shenglong would come out and, and throw Bison off the screen and you'd fight. He looked like Akuma with, like, a white ponytail. Yeah, yeah. And, in fact, Akuma's based on that. Because it was on that Photoshop, right. basically. Because so, yeah. that's where that idea came from. And, man, when that magazine came out, <laughs> I went to the we went to the arcade a couple days later, and all anyone was doing was, was trying, trying to, do, to do it. And I'm like, yeah. I don't think you can do it. It's not, not possible. <laughs> and, like, it, like for for a month, there were people that did nothing yeah. but do this and say, no, I know a guy at Golfland in Sunnyvale that did it. And I'm like, who? <laughs> that's all it took. It's always, you know, it's just, yeah. if the same guy he knew who threw ch- had Chun-Li thrower bracelets or yeah. any of the weird no, rap rumors that didn't exist. <laughs> Um, and then a month later, they're like, "Oh yeah, that wasn't real." Okay, yeah. Yeah, congratulations to whoever po- you know, their first guy wrote in a mail to say like yeah. that's not real, um, and that became a tradition after that. But yeah, yeah the that point was... I'm, I'm I'm bringing it up is to point out it's been a thing in the it games long industry long way longer than oh, most yeah. industries, and it's continued year after year after year. Um, and so this year, I wanted to recap some of the bigger, poor, better, poor trusting nerds who don't know how to look at anything critically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, you just I don't realize... I don't mind any of it. I think it's. Most usually it's fun. Sometimes it's dumb. I've seen I see people that just like get so mad about mm-hmm. it. I'm just like, who care? I just yeah. I don't I don't get. I mean, look, I didn't pay attention to a lot of it this year because I was at the film festival. Right. Um. I didn't see many things that were. Well, we're gonna take you through a trip. Through the only thing I ones. saw that I that I note I noted was uh, Fantasy Flight Games, who makes a, mar- a card game called Marvel Champions. Their their April Fool's thing was like, oh, the the next new character in the game is gonna be Spider Ham. No. And then two days later, they put up pre-orders. They're like, oh, by the way, that wasn't a joke. It's really the next character. <laughs> That's the best. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, here we're going to run through very quickly uh, some of what I think were the best April Fool's jokes. And you can tell me if you think they're good or not. Yeah, uh, I, I guarantee you I don't know probably any of these. Okay. I, I, I've, I did, saw maybe two things Okay. I was there. Uh, the first one was for Sonic Frontiers, which is... The upcoming open world mm-hmm. Sonic 3D game, although I guess we don't really know exactly what the game's going to be. I think we're assuming that based on the trailer yeah, we've seen I think, so far. Yeah, I think it's an open world. So, I mean, it uh, looks, it appears that to be that way. But the fake collector's edition for the game, according to Sega of Japan, included a wooden bath bucket, a Sonic print towel, a waterproof Sega Genesis, a non-waterproof Game Gear, and a rubber duck. <laughs> and then it said it would sell for around 260 bucks. What do you think about that one? There was no video release, just this still image. I feel like we're missing a piece of information about this game that makes that make sense. 
Right. But I, I like the idea of a waterproof Sega Genesis. But what's the water theme, right? Yeah. Is that like, like a like big what, deal? In... Like, I guess it's like, is it like a hot springs he goes to or something? Is that? I don't the... know. Look at the photo. He's actually at a hot spring there. Yeah. But it's really just a stuffed animal. Right. <laughs> but it's like a like it's like a bathhouse. He's in a bathhouse. Yeah. I don't know. I don't understand. Maybe it is a hint at what the game, some part of the game or something. I don't maybe know. Maybe your maybe your checkpoint, your fast travel points are like Onsen Springs <laughs> or something, like hot hot springs. That would be bizarre, but maybe you're right. I don't know. What do you think about that one? It's, it's fun, sure. I mean, it's kind of obvious that it's not real. If like a waterproof Genesis and then a non-waterproof Game Gear, that's <laughs> even funnier. Why wouldn't the Game Gear be the waterproof thing? Because that's the thing you'd it's probably the drop handheld in the water. that you actually yeah. take places where it might get wet. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> But uh, I think the funniest part is the image. The stuffed animal yeah. at the bathhouse. I think that's pretty freaking good. Because <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, so anyway, that's Sonic Frontiers. And then um, PUBG put out a trailer for the BFC, the Big Effin' Chicken. And it's it didn't actually happen in the game, but they made this trailer of this gigantic chicken that they were going to add to mm. PUBG Battlegrounds. I always place a little more emphasis on these April Fool's jokes when there's actually work involved. Mm-hmm. Like, that image from Sega Japan didn't take that much time. But creating mm-hmm. a trailer with a massive chicken inside That's your game... a nice game, Godzilla reference there. That was a, oh, yeah. The that, whole shot, th- that one shot is a Godzilla reference. <laughs> yeah, the nice. whole thing is pretty much... It's kaiju, whatever. Oh, yeah. But that the one shot of Over, over the Mountain, like that is a direct reference to a shot from the first Godzilla movie. <laughs> That's, I, I respect that. What and do you look, think man, like, Look at the AC-130 footage. Fortnite does such weird <laughs> shit that, like, would, you, would it super shock you if this happened? Existence like, is futile. Like, <laughs> that is, like, a thing that Fortnite would do on, like, a Tuesday. Right. Like, <laughs> like, like on one hand, you're kind of clowning yourself on this one because it's like, hey, what if PUBG, like, did interesting things? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And uh, someone brought up in chat that Digital Foundry did an analysis of Biomutant. I didn't quite get why they did that. Was Biomutant a thing at Digital Foundry for some reason? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't... But they did like a whole analysis on Biomutant, which actually has been out now for forever. So Maybe I, that's not... a joke. They're doing an ancient game that nobody cares about? or Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I didn't actually include that on in the list, but I'm glad that uh, Justin Horman brought it up because I did not include it. Um, let's see. Up next. This is actually my favorite because this one was the most work. So Grasshopper... Interactive from mm. Japan did a mashup of No More Heroes and Shadows of the Dam. But the twist is it's a badminton game. And not only that, it's a real badminton game. Hmm. It <laughs> they basically took characters from No More Heroes and Shadow of the Dam and put them into a badminton game that you can go to itch.io or itch.io. I don't know how how do people say that actually? I've usually heard it itch.io, but yeah. I don't know. Whatever you want to call it, you can go there. The game is free to download, and you can actually play the game. And this, to me, not only did they create a trailer, because they had to make a trailer to promote the game, they made the game. It's hard To me, that's hard to beat. Any April Fool's joke where you actually create a product, and I'll say this too, Grasshopper does this almost every year. Mm-hmm. It actually releases a game uh, for April Fool's. And just imagine like when you start every year, and you're figuring out your schedule. You're having to budget in the time and the resources to create this free game that you're going to release on April Fool's Day. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and it is, again, a playable game. And it's violent. <laughs> There's, like, blood and gore in the game. 
this one to me is hard to beat, so it is my favorite of all the April Fool's jokes. Um, and again, they do this pretty much every year, so kudos to them. They really take April Fool's Day seriously. That's another thing I like about it, is that the Japanese publishers and developers take it just as seriously mm-hmm. as the Western folks do. In some cases, more seriously. Yeah. They, they put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. And I think like, that's cool. To the point that I think that, like, uh, I think even if you hate the idea of April Fool's, you got to respect the hustle on this. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it, man. Um, there's another good one, too. That's coming up next. The Fire Emblem Three Houses tea set. See, like some of these things, like, <laughs> like, like the I would so- buy this. Yeah, like the Sonic Bath thingy as well. It's like that's stuff that they might actually make in yeah. Japan. Like weirder merchandise <laughs> has been made in Japan. Like there were Hello Kitty TV, like TVs and telephones and vibrators. Like don't yeah, they'll they'll put logos for for things on anything. I honestly thought this might be real because didn't they have like cafes for Fire Emblem or something? I think they did have like a promotion. Yeah. yeah. Well, their tea is obviously a big deal in the yeah. actual game. So it makes sense it for makes the property. Sense. Like, I would probably buy this. Yeah, like, I think this would sell. <laughs> if you released this Absolutely. as a collector's thing, yeah. people would buy it, assuming that the value of it would go, like, way up. Although tea would probably be perishable, but still, I think it would be pretty pretty cool. Um, but this was also fake. You can't actually go out and buy the, the Fire Emblem Three Houses tea set. Yet. Yet. <laughs> And then some of these things tend to be like you're, they're almost pilots programs. And yeah, it's like it's like you know if like people the, actually really like it. Maybe yeah, like happened with the uh, I think the first thing that happened with was that Tauntaun sleeping bag. Oh, that was an April Fool's joke, and everybody liked it so much they made it. And then and now it's like they they they're on like they've been making it for years as like one of their standard products. Which when you think about it, it's so disgusting. Yeah, that was the joke. <laughs> it's great. Um, and then the last one that we have a video for is from Corsair and. It is a one-button mechanical keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> the way that they do this is so great. Look to at pay it. respects. <laughs> this is awesome. Look at this. Like, you can just swap out whatever letter key you want onto it. And then when they do, like, the right-handed, like, and then the left-handed, because you just switch sides because hmm. it's just the same thing on both sides. It's, it's awesome. Um, it's called the K1 RGB. Fewer choices. <laughs> Fewer choices. <laughs> and they still, I like that they still advertise how good their key switches are. Yeah, key which, switch. Key switch, which Just works everywhere, right? On all their keyboards. Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty clever. Yeah. yeah. That's solid. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, so kudos to Corsair for doing that. And then the, isn't that just an old mouse when you think about it? it really, it is. Yeah, it's <laughs> like an old, it's just yeah, one like button. one button mouse. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and then there was another one, like Goat Simulator announced that they were going to do a musical with Steve-O. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't release any media for that or anything. They put out a press release. I think Steve-O put up like something that he did on TikTok or something mm-hmm. for it. But um, but those were the better ones, I thought, from this year. What do you think? How would you yeah, grade those? Those are, those are good efforts. Yeah. Um, I think... Uh, yeah, I think I got to give it to Grasshopper. Yeah, overall, you build a game. It's like yeah, yeah. Everybody gets, everybody wins on that one. Yeah, the Corsair was pretty good too, though, because I, I'm assuming they had that built. They built it in CG or something. Yeah, that was CG. So yeah. That took some work. I also like, um, I like it when I, when I, when like the, an April Fool's is sort of like a a reference or a, or a, a, a an acknowledgement of some ongoing complaint or question or, or running gag or something with or something. something that fixes something that yeah. people have been complaining about yeah, for a those long are time. Fun. I it was one I liked uh, from a while ago, which was um, 
there's a channel called uh, Watch It Play that does like tutorial, really detailed, really good tutorials on board games, how to play them. Mm. And one of the ones that everybody wanted them to do was Star Wars Rebellion, which is a super complicated, like, conquer the galaxy, like a risk style game. Mm-hmm. Very complicated. And he, they would never do it because basically they do, they're, they're sponsored. You know, they only yeah. do videos if they're sponsored by the game makers. Yep. And like, so for, so the guy who does them, Rodney, for April Fool's, he's like, okay, everybody asked me to do this, so I'm gonna we're going to do Star Wars Rebellion. Here's how to play Star Wars Rebellion. And he just sat there for two hours and read the instruction manual out loud. <laughs> like, no video, no demonstration, no cutaways, no B-roll, no nothing. It was just yeah. a man with a game instruction manual reading to the camera for two hours. Couldn't even do that and now. And I'm like, Because there are no, there's no such thing as an instruction manual. Oh no! This is a board game. There's there's a, there's a, there's a giant. Yeah, I guess game. you always have to have one for oh, a yeah, board they're, game. They're huge. Yeah, they're like little books, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah some of them. Sometimes there's two. By some the way, people, Matt has one of the thing. The biggest changes of your house from the mm-hmm. last time I was here to when I came back to start doing the show here again is his collection of board games. Mm-hmm. You have a wall that's as big as the wall behind me. That's just shelves just packed with board games. Yeah, it's amazing. It became one of the things we all started to do during coming, the pandemic. Coming, coming back from the pandemic, yeah. coming back from the lockdown, I was like, "Here's a good reason to get people to come over and yeah, yeah. do something." So, that, <laughs> and I like them as art objects. A lot of them's really cool. A lot of them you can play solo and, yeah. and kind of play with them that way. And like, uh, I'm probably going to pare it down. It's soon, it's amazing how many but, he has. Uh, I was like blown away. I, w- I went in pretty big. I you know. Uh, I'm a little bit John Hammond from Jurassic Park when it comes to things. <laughs> Spared no expense. Once, well, once you get into something, you get into it. Yeah, yeah, you dive uh, in. And now I'm starting to be like, okay, now I know what I like, and I know what I've, I like these, and these aren't as good. So I think I can, you know, start letting some of these go, and eventually I'll probably get rid of that second shelf, and it'll be yeah. a little more normal. But and these uh, board games aren't like Monopoly or Life. I know. They're, they're, <laughs> I think people know. Yeah, I mean, people are. You know, <laughs> put it this way: the first one that really got me into it was Gloomhaven. Oh really? Which is the biggest? Yeah. It's the highest rated board game. Around I've even right heard now. of it. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, there's a video game version of it that is actually an excellent recreation of the campaign. Mm. Like it's you, you really aren't missing anything if you just play the version that's on Steam. Um, it's very, very well done, and it take doesn't take an hour to set up. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so anyway, there you go. That's April Fool's 2022. I I would want to give. Uh, high marks to the industry. I think it did a pretty good job. There were dozens more, by the way, that happened that I just didn't mm. bring up. Um, some better than others. I feel like these were probably the most memorable ones, but uh, I enjoy this about the industry, and I hope that it keeps happening. I hope mm-hmm. it continues throughout the coming years. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about another crappy studio. <laughs> Kotaku wrote an article this week about Undead Labs. It's the studio behind the State of Decay franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I knew that they were there was shitty things going on with this company, and I don't remember why. I don't know either, because there really weren't any rumblings. In fact, the one thing in the article... I remember somebody talking about the guy... Like Maybe it was just tweets or something about the guy who like founded or co-founded this being a, a an asshole or something. Well, so, th- I don't know. The article, one of the things it focused on was the fact that the guy who used to run the studio and, and founded the studio left when mm. microsoft bought it and actually the angle of the article is since he left things have gone down the tubes hmm. because microsoft this is crazy the employees there are upset because microsoft is too hands off so hmm. the studio is actually in seattle like just a couple miles away from microsoft headquarters xbox yeah. headquarters and early on, I remember people were thinking like, oh, they clearly were just founded to be bought by Microsoft because of where they are and what they're doing. Well, the employees are pissed because 
Microsoft bought them. The founder cashed out and right. left, and he's already started his own new thing, and they're getting ready to show their first game and blah, blah, blah. But when he left, like, Microsoft was in... I think Microsoft thought that most studios want this. That, right. okay, once we buy you, we're going to leave you alone and let you do yeah, your you thing. Know because, what you're doing. Because so. we bought you because you were good. Well, the employees who work at Undead Labs are like, this has been a nightmare. Like, there's no oversight at the studio now and so the people who do have some semblance of power have turned into mm. rotten people and they've gotten become lord of the flies over there right and the problem is is that they're trying to make state of decay 3 right now remember when that was announced oh yeah a long vaguely. time ago a long time ago vaguely because it was a long time ago it's hard to remember right it was the it was like the unveiling the xbox series x like revealed Right. Event, and we it? haven't seen anything of no, it since. Just and, that damn deer. And the people at Undead are saying that they've been working on this game for three years and they still don't know what it is. Mm. That the that the that basically the studio has just been adrift since it was purchased by Microsoft. Which seems to happen sometimes. You know, like, like, you know, Rare is having that same problem. What's, it's, what's that game? You know that game. Everwild. Everwild. Yeah. yeah. It's like they don't know what it is. Right, they can't figure out what the game needs to become, and which is weird. Well, because doubly weird with this because it's this like just do State of Decay again. What do you? <laughs> it's, it's State of Decay. We just want a State of Decay that doesn't look like ass. Right. How about that? It, it runs better than like yeah. eighteen frames a second or whatever on this new hardware that you have to work on. But isn't it ironic that? In, and I agree with Microsoft. Like you think if you acquire a company, the big fear is, oh my gosh, they're going to come in and change everything. Like mm -hmm. just think about when Tech TV was bought by G Four, and mm -hmm. they were. Think about the things that we talked about when we we're like, oh, we're going to go down there and they're going to treat us like second class citizens because we're tech TV and G4 bought us. And like we were like, we hope they just leave us alone. Mm -hmm. I think most companies are that way. I hope that they'll just let us keep doing our thing and we can just keep yeah. creating the art that we want to create. Sound, sounds like there's people in this company who failed the, uh, the test of character. Yeah. You know, if you want to test, test someone's character, do not give them... Was it? Uh, don't give them adversity. Give them power. Yeah. Well, someone asked Pactor in the last round of episodes, like, does he think that Microsoft will mismanage its new studios? And a lot of that, I think that he didn't mention it specifically, but I think the person asking the question was alluding to Rare. Yeah. Because of what happened when Microsoft got Rare. Let's be honest. Like, Rare is a shadow of what it, what mm -hmm. it used to be before it was acquired by Microsoft. And so it was a good question. Do you think that something's good, like that's going to happen? It does appear that that is happening with Undead Labs. And so going back to our prior topic about PlayStation acquiring studios, is there a point where it just becomes so big that you can't wrangle and manage it anymore? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, for the most part, these studios, they get seem to run themselves just fine. Uh, I still don't know what the hell happened with Rare. Rare, it seems to some degree to be a, a problem. The problem with that was like a, a lot of the people that made Rare what it was had already gone. Uh-huh. Um, by the time they were acquired. And this kind of happened here, too. Their leader. Makes you, it makes you think, you know, maybe that's why Nintendo sold them. Um, they knew. They knew the talent drain yeah. had happened. That's possible. Uh, this, like, I don't... You wouldn't think that this this series would require a huge, you know, top-down leadership situation, but, uh, you know, what do I know? Um, and if you've got really toxic people in there waiting for a chance to lord it over everybody, that's a whole separate issue. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody, no, you know, no organization is going to survive that with no, you know, oversight. It's weird to me that, my, you know, maybe there was just no way to get around them and tell Microsoft this is what's happening here. Um, you know, a, a smart, uh, tyrannical middle manager is going to make sure there's no, <laughs> there's no way to end run around them. Yeah. 
that they close off the channels of communication yeah. so that the stuff can't get messaged out. Yeah, that happened to me once, but uh, uh, to a, to a direct with a direct supervisor, uh, that there was no way around, and people couldn't figure out a way to, to contact anyone over her head. Uh, but what they didn't know that I was I was living with the assistant to the the VP of the of the district. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we we've solved that problem. <laughs> But it is a bad position to be put in because you're excited. You're acquired by Microsoft. You're like, everything's going to be great. We have this stability financially. We're not going to have to worry mm-hmm. about losing our jobs. But then suddenly your job sucks. Yeah. Sudden, suddenly Kyle is a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not you. No. <laughs> why, why does it seem like so many gaming companies suck? Do you think that this isn't just gaming, that it's just corporate America in general? I think it's corporate America to some degree. But also I think gaming places seem to be susceptible to it, both in terms of sort of the the sweatshop uh, culture that has sprung up around de- game development, and also because a lot of people working in game development are not the most socially adept people in the world. Yeah. And they're either easily taken advantage of, or they fall easily prey to being bullies because they were bullied. Uh, Joss Whedon, anyone. Mm. Now I'll admit, some of the quotes... Joss Whedon's a good example of someone who, you know, came up having been bullied and being ostracized and having all those problems, and as soon as he got some power, started as like, well, now it's my turn. Yeah. And that happens a lot in that space. I will say this too. Some of the quotes that they got were, I wouldn't say they're contradictory, but there were some people who worked there who didn't see that there was a big problem. And then there were mm-hmm. some people who said, oh my gosh, this is a nightmare. Um, I mean, there are some people, you know, like I've said many times, predators know who they can do that in front of and who they can Yeah. You have mentioned you know, that before. There's tons of people at G4 who had horrible times that talk about that. And like, did I see much of that? No, because the people doing that knew better than to do it in front of me. Just because you didn't see it doesn't mean it wasn't happening. It's yeah. the, especially in a company big, a big company. Or a company that's isolated like Undead Labs would be. Because who's who's wandering in from Microsoft and checking on the on the goods for Undead Labs? You know, they don't seem to have an actual deadline for this game. So, like, mm-hmm. you know. Well, that was the other thing that they said is that they don't have a deadline. Yeah. That they're just letting them just figure it out. And they're like, and they also felt like just managerially, yeah. they needed like a rudder in the water. Yeah, you need a you need something that you need something to put the fear of God in you and or get, just get to, the work done. Just to make you realize that you have to finish this at some yeah. point. It just can't go on forever. Some people thrive with no with no structure like that, but some people need a deadline. I need a deadline. Yeah. Like I even you know, if I get a deadline a week out, I'm not gonna do that work until the day before. That's yeah, see, I'm not I like that at all, man. I, I, don't, I don't. I'm. All, I, I couldn't. I would. This sifted would have died four mm-hmm. years ago if well, I. Which is why I tend to tend to say it's just like just yeah. It, it's better for me if I get especially like a freelance job or something. I'm like, oh, you need that tomorrow? Cool. Yeah. Because it's that's no different than if it was a week away. Yeah. Because I would do the same amount of work in the same amount of time. People in chat are defending rare. <laughs> They're saying. <laughs> They're saying, oh, uh, Rare's doing fine because of Sea of Thieves. Is it? Is it doing fine because of Sea of Thieves? I mean, Sea of Thieves is probably their first successful thing they've done since Microsoft. But to find successful, meaning it it lasted like a couple years before it was shut down. Well, it's been years. It's it's like half a decade old now. Is it that old? Yeah, it was like 2015 or something. Yeah. I mean, we haven't really seen like the financial whatevers of Sea of Thieves. Like it's, it's still going. Does yeah, that mean, I mean it's made a lot of money? I mean, it must be making enough money for them to keep it alive. I think it just means that there's people playing it. I don't sure. know if that means it's actually making money. But but what else has it done? you got to realize it was sold to Microsoft. Sea of Thieves, is, sea of Thieves turned four, four a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So you got to realize it was sold. Was that 2001? No, no. Yeah, well, when was grabbed by the ghoulies? It was 2001. It's been 21 years since it was sold. To Microsoft. 
And all you can say is Sea of Thieves? No, it's not fine. It's not doing good. Think about that. 21 years. And what do we have to to show from them? We have Grab by the Ghoulies. (laughs) We have... You've got the bottom of Avatar's shoes. (laughs) We got a bunch of Kinect games. That's uh, Viva Pinata, which people like. Yeah, that was moderately okay. Um, Not a hit, though. No. Um, bunch of Game Boy Advance stuff. Conquer Live and Reloaded, which is not as good as the original. Cameo, eh, Perfect which Dark Zero. Which they butchered yeah, and changed from the good. GameCube version of the game when it was actually interesting. Uh, Viva Pinata, Jetpack Refueled. Viva yeah. Pinata 2, Viva Pinata on the DS, Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, I don't think... And then they did the Connect era, the Connect Sports yeah. forever. Killer Instinct, that was pretty good. That was that was decent. They didn't do that, though. That was yeah, Iron Galaxy. Iron Galaxy, but they were involved. I mean, um, they licensed the IP. Like, they yeah. didn't do any work on the game. Sea of Thieves. Rare that's re- it. Rare Replay, Battletoads, and theoretically Everwild. But Rare didn't make Battletoads either. They get credit for it. Well, they they didn't make it. Under supervision of Rare. Right. Meaning they just gave them the license and said, don't mm-hmm. do this, do that. With the characters or whatever, the IP. Yeah, it's good enough to get an I executive mean, producer credit. <laughs> I mean, is that good? Is that Rare doing okay? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so at all. I wouldn't call that a tremendously successful no, run. it's not no. successful at all. So anyway, certainly I just saw com- people going at each other about it in the they- chat. Certainly not comparison to what made them an attractive purchase in the first right. place. Right. Yeah. I mean, and granted, they if you look back now, I think they only paid like a couple hundred million for Rare back then. Now yeah. that's a steal. Although that's what Sony got Insomniac for too. So Yeah, but when you're looking at like, we're going to buy the company that made Donkey Kong Country and Killer Instinct and GoldenEye and Perfect Dark and Blast Core and Jet Force Gemini and, and Donkey Banjo Kong Kazooie. <laughs> Banjo-Kazooie, this is probably not your, what you were thinking. What you signed up for. Yeah. yeah. They've been a huge disappointment. Um. But I'll be to be fair, Microsoft, I mean, in general, has not really mismanaged its studios in general. So there are there's an ex, there's one example, rare, and now it sounds like there might be a second with Undead Labs. But in general, I feel like Microsoft isn't notorious for like getting a studio and ruining it, so to speak. No, so, they don't, they don't they don't do that. Yeah, uh, and they certainly don't shut things down before their time, and they don't. Yeah, it does appear though that Microsoft is maybe growing faster than it can handle. Eh, I don't think so. I, I, this feels like just like why would you think that was gonna happen here? You know, like yeah. maybe it's a it's a a, a a symptom of like sort of making the assumption that all these companies you're buying are able to kind of police themselves properly. But like it doesn't seem like that's a super bad assumption to make. Certainly, it's probably safer to make that assumption than it is to the, do the opposite and micromanage everything. Yeah. Um. It just seems like it's a probably a lesson in like okay, you gotta check in with some of these places a little more often um especially when you're talking about uh something without uh an established or well-known corporate culture um and it you know look it does seem like they've tried to rehabilitate rare to some degree over the last uh generation or so um and they can you know clearly after this they will definitely keep another eye on uh, undead labs you would think this um, is bringing up the initiative, but that was a studio that they just created. That's yeah, not they something they acquired. Smooshed everything together, and, and that is a disaster, mind yeah. you. I mean, it is a disaster. They've lost like basically their biggest studio heads because they're bringing these other studios to help make Perfect Dark, mm-hmm. and the people who are there to make Perfect Dark are like, "Wait a minute, like, why are you replacing us with these other studios?" I think Crystal Dynamics is one of them. Like, mm-hmm. 
they're bringing all these people to help with the development of the game. So I don't blame people if they're like, wait a minute, I was hired as a studio head here. And now all of a sudden, here's all these other people coming in working on the project. But that was a studio that Microsoft created. Mm -hmm. That was not an acquisition. Well, the other thing is like, you know, that's not really going to be a factor with like Undead Labs because nobody really makes a game like this. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, State of Decay for all its jankiness is kind of a singular thing. It's unique. Like almost yeah. no, no, nobody really makes anything like that. So I can totally see being like, okay, you guys have done two of these. You're the only game in town when it comes to making these like this weird survival open world sim- zombie simulator uh you know, farming. It is an odd mix. Permadeath. It's like, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's such a weird conflict. It's a cool. I'm glad like, they do it. Yeah, I'm glad someone sure. does it. But yeah. it's like, I can totally see why you'd be like, okay, you guys know what you're doing. You've done two of these and just do another one and we'll talk to you in six months. But like, then this all goes to yeah. hell. I think a big part was losing the leader. Some of that. I mean, it seems like, it seems like the crux of this is just you had bad personalities on board. You know, and middle management was ready to, you know, lord it over some people and, you know, probably independent of whether State of Decay three is an easy or hard game to make or you know whatever. Like I think I think that's what's happening there. Because also, uh, State of Decay two has had a pretty steady stream of content throughout that period. Like you know they're still putting like really big updates up. My brother in law plays that game constantly with my niece and some of his other friends. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> they, How old is the niece? She's uh, thirteen. Oh, okay. But they've been playing for a couple of years. So. Wow. She doesn't jumped in early. She has no. She she's she's like me. She doesn't. Nothing bothers her in that regard. Yeah, as long as you're not killing animals. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so anyway, she may, she may balk on the zombie animals in the third one. I will say that. Oh really? Like the although I think she would appreciate the dark humor of the deer eating the wolf. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Going to be interesting if it ever comes out. Um. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen with that game now? Um. It looks like it's in development hell. It's kind of mm-hmm. visionless right now. The so. good news is, is someone should be able to just come in and be like, just just make State of Decay again. Three. Yeah, just, just add a number on there. Just add, no change, one else change, is making change it. Change the title screen and say three. Yeah. And slap some flesh things on, like, the deer. And <laughs> You still have your USP, your yeah. unique selling proposition. Yeah. Which is the key to business, is doing something other people aren't doing. So um, you're right. Like, just don't overthink it. Just mm-hmm. make another State of Decay on a system that can run it like better than 18 frames a second. Yeah. Even that B-roll we were watching, the State of Decay 2 there was like, ooh. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> rough. They have greatly improved it, I will say. They have. Like if yeah. you if you load that thing up now, especially with on the Xbox Series X, like it's a it's a different game. Yeah. It's but not it's, the, like, it's not the game that I gave up playing because my car kept disappearing from the parking space. Yeah, that's right. Or did you notice the one guy who was riding shotgun with me in the van? When he bailed out. And he just like four frame a second. Yeah, like, <laughs> he just kind of disappeared out. Yeah, like, like, out of the van. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so anyway, if you had your hopes up for State of Decay 3 coming anytime soon and obviously coming to Game Pass as well, you're going to be waiting a yeah, lot. Probably, probably not getting a trailer for that at uh, Keeley's events <laughs> yeah, in the summer. Down. Yep. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about the biggest game announcement of the week. And one I know, Matt, you were probably really excited about. Return to Monkey Island was announced this week. Something that a lot of people thought would never, ever happen. Including Ron Gilbert. Because Ron Gilbert had lost the IP Mm. and had gone to Disney and said, I will buy it back. Because Disney owned the IP and he's like, they're not going to do anything with it. He had offered to buy it back. I think they refused. And then Mm. there was a fan petition that ended up getting like 30,000 signatures or whatever. And that hap- that was like two years ago. 
something like and that. what it seems like is instantly disney was like let's do it once they saw the petition or whatever i think that because the timing is working out perfect because the game is coming out this year it came from nowhere and it's like almost done mm-hmm. although the trailer for it doesn't show much it's just a little teaser trailer just enough to get the fans excited um, and it is pretty funny, even though it's just set yeah. kind of in this one scene here. It looks very uh, Broken Age. It does, yeah. And didn't he work yes. on Broken Age? Right. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, but you're right. The art style, everything about it looks very much like Broken Age, which is also a great game, by the way. Yeah. 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 Was that our adventure game of the year for one year, I think? I can't remember. It may have won one of our awards, I think. Um, how do you feel about this, Matt? How do you feel about the Monkey Island franchise in general? I'm not actually a huge Monkey Island fan. Really? Um, Interesting. It's, it's I thought you of, were. No, it's the LucasArts uh, point-and-click adventure that I never quite got into. Oh, I did not. For some um, reason, I thought you were a big fan. No. Wow, no. okay. I mean, I mean, I like them, but they're they're probably the bottom of the barrel for me in terms of the the classic LucasArts uh, adventures. Like, I definitely like the Maniac Mansions and... Um, uh, Loom and the Dig, especially the Dig, more than these. Um, the other thing that's a little weird about this is, uh, you know, there, there's a there's, there's some some you know fandom division over the 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 third and fourth games, Escape and Curse. There's people that think like one's terrible. And <laughs> Game the, manual in chat says, "Does this undo Monkey Island Three? <laughs> it does. It does. Because it's a sequel to two. It's yeah. a sequel to two. He is using characters and uh, ideas from three and four, but he is not considering them to be canon to the story, which uh, has divided some people because there's people that really like Curse of Monkey Island. There's people that think Curse of Monkey Island is an abomination in the eyes of God. Um, <laughs> I don't really have an opinion on those two. They all kind of blur together for me. Uh, I'd say two is the best one. What's really. the subtitle for two again? Um, I th- it's like it... Rusty's something or other. It's a weird subtitle. I thought it was LeChuck's Revenge. LeChuck's Revenge. That's yeah. it. Yeah. But, uh, that is yeah. what it is. Yep. So, uh, yeah. It's, um, yeah. It's, okay. Sure. Cool. What like, did you not like about the old games? One thing I didn't like, it just, it didn't, they didn't, I didn't care for whatever reason. I mean, I, I thought they were kind of funny, um, but I also just like, I don't know, the pirate thing doesn't do much for me. I'm not a pirate person. Me either. Um, I don't know why, but like Sea of Thieves, yeah. I was not a huge fan of Sea of Thieves. I'm just not into the whole swashbuckling life, I guess, is mm-hmm. what I'm getting at. <laughs> um, Ashes in the Hourglass says he didn't make Broken Age. I thought he like worked with them on Broken Age. I thought he Age. consulted on it or something, but yeah. I can't remember. I, mean, I thought he was I mean, involved if he in didn't, the project. If he didn't, then they were sure channeling him. A yeah, lot. he did. They, he says he did Thimbleweed Park. I thought for sure he did do Thimbleweed Park. He had something to do with Broken Age. I mean, he so. wasn't like a lead on that or anything. I mean, I'm sure yeah. they talk, I'm sure Schaefer, Schaefer talked to him, but like I don't yeah. I don't think he was. I don't remember that being part of the Kickstarter pitch, and they would have mentioned that probably. Yeah, I'm sure they had him try it. But a business says that um, Gilbert said it's a sequel to two, but three is not taken out of canon. Yeah, so it's just Curse then. Yeah, everybody hates Curse. Yeah. The fourth one. The fourth one is widely considered a disaster. Why do you think so many people like this franchise? Um, I mean, there wasn't really anything like it at the time, and it was, you know, certainly. Uh, I mean, Maniac Mansion and Loom to some degree, but this was one of the few funny games of its kind at the time. Um, after Maniac Mansion, uh, it also was uh, the kind of the it, it helped codify the scum system. So uh, while Maniac Mansion is entertaining, it also was one of the ones where you still had to find the word. 
and figure out how oh, to right. and this was you know but, but this was like the follow one of the follow-ups to loom where it was like everything is done with the mouse you don't really need you just need to click on things and talk to people it also has the combat system that is entirely insult based which everybody yeah. really enjoyed yeah um yeah it's just well written especially for the time yeah um yeah i'm, I'm not slamming i just, it just it's wasn't, got some jokes yeah of the of the lucas arts adventures of the 90s like i just it just wasn't the one that spoke to me in the same way that like the dig or or uh, grim fandango did um but it, they are good like it, and it's it's you know certainly nobody i don't think anybody ever thought ron gilbert would make another monkey island game not they didn't want to but just like the trying to get disney to pay attention to any of this stuff is very difficult so yeah it's, it's impressive that this actually worked for once yeah i mean how many how and look, much and look at how many does disney own at this point well, look, i mean this is, this, well, that's the other thing is this is not disney this is lucasfilm right lucasfilm owns this and lucasfilm makes its own creative decisions disney doesn't dictate things so you had to make and, and look at all the things lucasfilm has in its vault and they're just mm-hmm. not doing anything with outside yeah. of maybe putting a, a remaster like, not even a remaster but a version that works on modern os's on gog and steam like that's yeah. about the best you can hope for with like the dig we're never getting a remake of the dig um but like which spielberg was actually involved in mm. um that game you want to talk about development hell that game took like 10 years to make Jeez. um Starring Robert Patrick, but uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 actually a good sign that they're willing to do anything with an IP that is not Star Wars related. Yeah, so I, I'm surprised cool. that it came back because I just don't know if there's a thirst for this IP. I only ever played the first one. There is, and amongst, I thought it was okay. There like, is amongst the people that love it. Like I, you know, I think I think as long as they're budgeting with an eye towards how many people they expect to sell this to, and I'm sure they are. You know, it's, it's this. You know, this isn't going to be. Uh, this Assassin's is like a ten-man team, I'm guessing. Yeah, to make this a, game, it's going to be basically the same kind of team that made the originals. Those, those are not huge teams either. Yeah. But Gilbert is on board. He's doing the writing. He's like kind of the project lead, and I think that makes people feel safe. Yeah. Um, it, it yeah, makes me feel safe. Trying to sell sell you loom right there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it sounds like you're no more excited for this than I am, because I'm not really that excited for it at all. Not, but, as, not especially, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'll probably play it, but yeah. Uh, yeah, this this is just not one of the games I have huge nostalgia for in terms of those those Lucas Lucas Arts games. Yeah. Um, partly because I didn't play them until later, um, because you know, I you know I had to pick and choose the computer games I I you know bought or asked to be given for Christmas and birthdays and. You know, other themes tended to appeal to me more than the pirate game. So I, that was this is not one. You know, full throttle was way more interesting to me than this. Do you think that they'll upgrade the game in any way? Do you think it'll it'll take in some of the new concepts and ideas that have been imparted into adventure games since, like branching story paths and things like that? I don't know. I think that depends. Uh, Will fans be okay with that? I, th- if that? I think that depends how Gilbert wants to play. I'm pretty sure we're going to get Gilbert's you know, idea of what a sequel should have been all these years for mm-hmm. the most part. Um, I don't know. And I don't really know much about his philosophies these days. So yeah, guess we'll see. Yep. Uh, so anyway, it's coming this year. We do not have a solid release date. We don't even have platforms for it yet yeah. either. I'm going to say late. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That'd be my guess. Q4. Yeah. And I would also guess probably every platform. Almost. Yeah. This seems like it would be fine for everything. Maybe or, even or- like mobile. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised to see mobile. Yeah, I mean, maybe not all on the same day, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it will come to pretty much everything. Yeah, just like Broken Age did, really. It did ultimately. Yeah, that was a Kickstarted game, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, that was one of the original like successful Kickstarted video games. It was and like, it oh, took you can a do while this. for them to get that. Oh, it took out. like f- 
Yeah, it took like five years. Yeah. Three, four yep. years. Uh, but there you go. Return to Monkey Island again. No hard release date, no hard platforms, but probably end of the year and every platform would be our guess. Uh, okay, time for our last topic for Game Face 295. We're getting close to episode 300 here, Matt. Close mm-hmm. enough that I got to start like thinking about like what I'm going to do for episode 300. Oh, yeah. um, just five weeks away. Uh, and our last topic for 295 is the fact that Unreal Engine 5 launched today. Mm. Um, and there's been a lot of buildup leading up to the launch of Unreal. And in fact, today Epic put up like a 40-minute like video about Unreal Engine 5 which was really boring, but <laughs> Tim Sweeney was in it. And he has to be the least charismatic CEO that is exe- that is as successful as he is in any industry. Oh, I don't know. There's some CEOs. Really? Yeah. I mean, his... <laughs> no offense, Tim, but... I mean, you think the General Mills CEO is a wild dude? I don't know. I've, n- I've never seen him, but for someone coming from a dynamic industry like gaming, Tim Sweeney is not particularly good at presenting he's of the john carmack school he is yeah so he's (laughs) He's he's a little awkward gets results though he does oh he's amazing he's a genius let's be honest he's a genius he's one person Mm -hmm. in this industry i feel very safe saying is a genius Mm -hmm. and um he led the presentation but eventually he did turn it over to people who kind of drove the whole presentation uh probably the biggest thing that came out today i'd rather listen to tim sweeney than zuckerberg that's a good point case money yeah, because Zuckerberg's just at a, least yeah at least I don't sus- weirdo. At least I don't suspect uh, Tim Sweeney is, is a, a man, robot. It's like a mandroid. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, he is weird. I do wonder sometimes if he's a real person. Yeah, not Tim Sweeney. No, no, Zuckerberg <laughs> is a weird dude. Like you see him sort of engage smile.exe, and it just sort of stops. It's bizarre. I love that one. They did a video years ago where like. They tried to show his morning routine or something, and there's like a scene where he's like eating toast in the kitchen, and it was like it looks like it looks like an alien trying to like. This is how you humans do it, right? Like, uh, like it's like, do you, have you never eaten toast before, dude? That's not how that's not how that works. So weird. It is weird. Uh, the big announcements that came today with the launch. Just waiting of for his Engine eyes 5. to blink sideways. <laughs> the big announcements that came today with the launch of Unreal Engine Five is that a new Tomb Raider is in development being developed on Unreal Engine 5. It is being created by Crystal Dynamics. That studio is getting spread real Yeah, they're, thin. Bu- they're busy. I don't know how they they're doing have, it. They must have staffed up. They had to have. Because they're basically, they are the initiative now, too. They're making mm-hmm. Perfect Dark. And now they're making the new Tomb Raider, which I'd be okay with Perfect Dark being kind of like Tomb Raider. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, I think, I that's, think, a, that's, a I valid, think that that's a valid format choice for Perfect Dark, yeah. especially these days. I, I think like, so. You don't need to do a shooter again. Yeah. Um, but they did not release any sort of a trailer or anything for the new Tomb Raider. Um, and then the other thing that they showed was, I'm not 100% sure, and I don't know if you've seen this yet, Matt, but this might be a tease for Gears of War 6. It's from the Coalition. And the Coalition, for whatever reason, if you go back and look, has been this big partner for mm-hmm. Unreal Engine 5 all along. So you can go back last year and the year before when they first started talking about Unreal Engine 5 and... A lot of this stuff is working with the Coalition on Gears stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Gears, from the very beginning, the very first game was made on Unreal. Oh, yeah. The earliest stuff we saw for Unreal 3 was all this were locusts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Where at GDC, I remember Cliff doing that demo and and, uh, and Rod Ferguson and everyone doing that demo for us. And be like, and we're like, so what is this game? And they're like, oh, it's not a game. It's just, I'm like, uh-huh. bro. <laughs> you know, and like two years later, here's Gears of War. But like, yeah. You know what this reminds me of? Um, 
It makes me think of... Uh, um, Notice the text at the top. Yeah, Test assets not, do not, not represent a game again. product. You know, this makes it makes me think of that. Um, what's the Sony game? The 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 with the werewolves, the Victorian steampunk werewolf. You know, the eighteen eighteen forty three or whatever the hell it was called. Yeah, you know, yeah, eighteen ninety eighteen sixty six. Yeah, that's a it's a good sign that you named your game something stupid, guys. When I the can't order, remember the name of the game. the they, order. Eight, yeah, the order twenty six eighty six. No, the order eighteen eighty six or eighteen eighty. Or something like that. No one else knows it either. But they did know the order part of it, and we had forgotten that. It is 1886. Yeah. yeah. The order. That's right. Yeah. You're right, though. It does give off that kind of that same vibe. Yeah. I think a guy in the order actually looked a lot like him, too. Do you think it's Gear 6? A hint at Gear 6? Maybe. I mean, yeah. it's certainly tech they'll be using in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the case, hot damn. Because... <laughs> I mean, the least surprising thing in the world is that there's going to be a Gears of War game on, Build on, on Unreal, Unreal Engine 5. I mean... You know. <laughs> Um, and then we had the announcement, what, about two weeks ago with CD Projekt Red, where it's bailing on the Red Engine and all its games going forward are going to be built on Unreal Engine 5. But not only that, it is going to be a partner with Unreal and help Unreal develop tools for other developers to create Mm -hmm. open world games with. Yeah, which is one of Unreal's weaknesses. It is. And well documented and well known as well. I mean, a lot of developers know... If they're building an open world game in the past, they probably shouldn't work with yeah. Unreal Engine. That's why so many companies like CD Projekt Red and uh, you know Monolith, and that, if you were making an open world or even a large world, you didn't use Unreal. You made your own engine usually. Yeah. And I think proof positive of that is the first big demo for Unreal Engine 5. Was the Matrix. Was the yeah. Matrix. And it's in this huge open world. I mean, right there. They show you. Yeah. Look at what in Unreal Engine Five can do. That, that looks like that. it really is ridiculous, just, man. Like, I know there's no real AI happening you know, in a real game. There'd be a lot more stuff happening that wouldn't allow you to dedicate so much to the visuals. Yeah, but like, hot damn! That it, it is. <laughs> it is insane that you can just download that and play that on your damn game system on your PS Five. I know it's like, insane. This is, like this is not like you know running on a dev kit or no. You can go play this right now on yeah, your PS Five. It's free. You can go download it right now, and it's real time. Unplayable. Sh- yeah, I showed Mod- moderately. Playable. I showed a clip of this to some of my my, my movie like filmmaker friends, and they thought it was drone footage. Oh, really? They thought it was real. They <laughs> thought it was drone footage. I don't. I believe it. Like it's crazy how good it looks. Um, do you think Unreal Engine Five will dominate next gen development? It's a little weird that it's kind of launching so late. Although developers have been working on it for a yeah. while, and I think you know we it's been speculated by more than just us that this generation is going to last a while, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably true. Yeah, it's probably not too late to get to get it out um, there. I think it depends like what these things are going to look like, but like if this proves to be, you know, if, if the partnerships with CD Projekt Red and Coalition prove to be very fruitful and it becomes an easy thing to work with and, and you know, it could, you know, that happened to Unreal Engine 3. It became yeah. basically the industry standard. That shooter that we just saw, by the way, is a, a demo called Lyra. I don't know if it's ultimately going to become a game from Epic or not, but they, in the 37-minute presentation, there was a huge chunk of time dedicated to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my guess is it probably will eventually be released. Yeah, um, and you got shorts like, and remember like Unreal is also going to be a big deal in film because uh-huh. of what uh, Disney has done with the volume with Man- Mandalorian and you know shooting all these things. And like I, that was one of the big discussions at the Phoenix Film Festival was people talking about like, will we be you know we want to shoot this thing that's going to be kind of sci-fi oriented, but we can't afford to build the sets. But could we afford to build them in Unreal? Right. And use use a volume style thing. Well, I mean, that. look at it. I yeah. mean, it's photorealistic. Another big thing for 
for Unreal Engine is augmented reality. <clears throat> so John Slusser, I've talked about him before, he was the guy who initially funded game trailers um, when Brandon and Jeff Groats, it was the idea they were working on in the garage. Jeff Groats knew John Slusser, who was wealthy, and they went to him and was like, hey, you want to fund this? And he did, and he ended up being my boss for like seven years. He's an awesome guy. Well, when game trailers folded, he went back to his old company, which is this company called The Famous Group. And they do, they have become this augmented reality juggernaut since he left game trailers. In fact, he just bought his own plane. Hmm. <laughs> to put it in perspective, like, they have exploded. So I don't know if you've seen it. Like, I know you don't watch football or whatever, but, like, a lot of the AR that's kind of bleeding edge was coming from the NFL last season. Like mm. there was this one thing that made it through social media of a Panther up on the scoreboard that would jump down on the field and run all over the field. Like his company did all that stuff and all that is built in unreal engine. Um, mm. So the, the next wave of AR also is going to be coming from unreal engine five. Again, Tim Sweeney is just, he's a, he's a genius. He has turned this little company that made shooters into this juggernaut it's really amazing what he has done in one lifetime. Um, and he's still young. He's still got a lot of years left to do more amazing things. But I do think that Unreal will become the dominant development platform. Mm -hmm. um, I Certainly in the AAA space. Yeah, with all due respect to Unity and all the other engines. Like, yeah, I think Unity's got some good stuff going on right now. But uh, this is all very, this is all next level. It is. Um, it's impressive, to say the least. And the fact that you can use it for free... Like it, you and I can go download this now mm -hmm. and just start building stuff with it. And if we ever sell anything with it, then we do owe some money. But you can just download, and that's that's what's really cool though. Is like if you think back to like when we started in television, everyone on TV edited it in Avid. Avid was this thing that you had to spend like thirty thousand dollars to get a license for. Like you and I could not just get Avid and learn how to cut films. Mm-hmm. But in the gaming space, the, the de facto tool that people use to make games is free. You can download it right now. If you're a 13-year-old kid, you can download this and you can start learning how to make games. And that's smart too because what you're doing is you're future-proofing your technology. You're guaranteeing in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, all these people that learn how to work in Unreal are going to be in the workforce. And what are they going to They're all going to know how to use Unreal. It is the whole thing is just genius, and ultimately, it's a great product. So, it's it's awesome. And congratulations to Epic on finally launching Unreal Engine Five today. I cannot wait to start playing games built on this technology because it is amazing. Mm -hmm. And it is, I mean, it, we're really talking about Uncanny Valley here at this yeah. point. Makes you one makes you think like, okay, so the Tomb Raider t Tomb Raider discussions had to have been going on when they made this because this is, this demo is Tomb Raider. It is right. Well, yeah. <laughs> and notice the announcement today. Yeah. It coincides with this. This was the... Uh, this is the original... This Unreal was the 5. PlayStation 5 yeah. Unreal Engine 5 demo yeah. that they released a while ago. And it's impressive. It looks amazing. Yeah. And it's like a year and some old. But you're right. There's Tomb Raider. So they didn't release a trailer today. They had released a trailer like a year and a half ago <laughs> for it. Um, but it's amazing to see what Unreal Engine has become. Because remember, the first Unreal Engine that became popular, all the games looked the same. Like gear, they all looked like gears. They all had like characters that had this weird kind of, I don't even know how to describe it, like this sheen to yeah, them. Yeah, there was a plastic element. Yeah, to it. 
And the characters also kind of stood out from the, the, the backgrounds. Um, the Resident Evil engine has a similar effect. It does. Yep. You're absolutely right. Same thing. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to explain what it is. It's like this gloss on everything. It's, they don't do... Um, it's a solved problem in, in modern Unreal where like... And a lot of other... Some other engines where like... It's basically... It, it, was, uh, it was an interim step in learning how to... Or having the power maybe to be able to do the scattering of light under the skin. Mm-hmm. And how like... You know, being able to see kind of veins under the skin or like how the blood flows under the skin. Um, if you don't have that, skin looks looks dead. It mm. look it looks like um, you know the plasticky look. Like it's all, another way to describe that is corpseish. Like like mm-hmm. a, like a corpse will look like that. Yeah, uh, like to, waxy. Yeah, waxy. So um, that's basically what was happening there. Was and now you look at that where like, you know where the light shines through someone's ear and you can kind of see yeah. the, the pink of it of it being you know seeing the blood in there. Like that, mm-hmm. all that is simulated now. Yeah, it's um, so that's one of the reasons that looks. Same with the the eyes. The one of the reasons the eyes look so good is they're now simulating through ray tracing the uh, the eye the, the light bouncing through the cornea. Yeah, and that makes it look alive. It makes it look like a real eye to to a, to us. Like, and that is that is one of the most impressive tricks they're doing now in the modern engines, especially Unreal. Is like because we are hardwired to recognize you know eyes as real or fake. Yeah, and they're getting to the point where it's hard to tell. It's right on the edge. Um, Mellowax says in chat, we should all be making shit. You should be. Mm-hmm. I am. We're making shit right now. <laughs> but you guys should absolutely be making your own shit. Because I know if I know one thing, it's that our audience is smart and tech savvy. And you guys can make some amazing stuff. And I'll promise you this too. If you do make some cool stuff, we will mm-hmm. feature it on Game Face and on Sifted. Um, we've had a couple developers in our community Mm-hmm. Um, that made small indie projects, and we ran their trailers on Sifted and did what we could to help. So yeah. um, get out there and make it happen, man. It's cheap. It's free. If you're a 12- or 13-year-old watching the stream right now, which may be one of you or none of yeah, you, but if you are, go download Unreal Engine 5. Literally, give yourself a career. Like, start now. In five years, you'll be so good at that. You won't even have to go to college. You can just start making games right away. So... It is that's the part of the industry that has evolved that I am really happy about is the access that people have now. It's not this exclusive club where only rich kids can do it. You don't need this crazy powerful PC. You do need a moderately powerful PC. I'm not yeah. gonna exaggerate, but you don't need like an SGI workstation like right. you needed like back in the day, like some silicon graphics thing that costs like thirty grand or whatever. You can build yourself a nice little rig and you can start making games. And, if, um, if you can find any hardware these days. Yeah, and people always ask me, like, how do you get into development? You got to make games. Yeah, the they mo- won't care that you went to Full Sail University. No, if the you biggest can thing do is like, the biggest thing is like it's you know is to go to GDC with a portfolio of some kind, and especially if you're yep. talking about development, if you're talking about an artist, yeah, you want a portfolio of, of your concept art or whatever mm-hmm. different genres. If you're going to GDC to be a developer or a programmer, you want to have a thumb drive with stuff they can load up and play. Yeah. And show them what you got. Like that's, game, that is the most important thing. Or even just your just models. If you just want to yeah. model characters or enemies or whatever, just yeah. take a thumb drive with all that information. Because they know GDC. there's no barrier to that other than your own ambition at this point. Yep. Yep. And they want to see and that your you've skill. been able to do it. Yeah, your artistic so. skill. You remember when Unreal couldn't do hair? Yeah, when it was just like plastic pieces yeah. folded. So on every, t- everybody was bald, <laughs> or had the same two hairstyles, or dreadlocks. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, is the only everyone was braided. Yeah, in some the way. cornrows, stuff like yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. Oh, how the times have changed! It looks amazing. So I can't wait to uh, start playing stuff made on Unreal Engine Five. It shouldn't be that long. All right, that's it for the main show. 
of Game Face 295. We got some time to answer some questions uh, in the chat. Go at Sifted Games. That way we can pluck them out of your conversations. Iviz, thank you for Twitch Prime, man. Appreciate it. Beginning of the show, end of the show. Always the best time to subscribe with Twitch Prime. We can call you out and thank you live on the show, which is what I love to do. Um, so if you can always remember, if you join the show a little later and you know you're going to stick around to the end, wait until the end uh, to use Twitch Prime. That way I can thank you personally. Just like te Texture Glitch just did. Thank you for Twitch Prime, brother. Appreciate it. And here comes JM Rain dropping the subs. Another reason to always watch the show live at twitch.tv slash games. People in our chat just give away subs every episode without fail. Jam rain every week, giving away subs to our audience, which is awesome. Um, okay, let's get to some questions. Let me get our give me credit crawl running to give credit to the people who are making this show happen by pledging it $30 or more per month. Without you guys, I wouldn't be here. So thank you very much. And let's go to chat. Kevin Rafa. We'll name that game Return. Actually, it almost returned today because someone sent me some game codes to give away as a prize. But I got the codes too late to get them into the show. So next week, name that game will return. However, it is going to be different. And I'll, I'll share with you now how it's going to be different. Beginning next week, and I may fluctuate between the old way with clues and this way, but beginning next week, Name that game. You're going to have to guess the name of the game by looking at screenshots. Hmm. So I will be putting screenshots up on the screen, and you're going to have to guess the name of the game based on the screenshots. Now, I will be intelligently cropping them to only show you maybe just like a character's shoes or maybe just their belt or maybe just their jacket or whatever. Little things that may jog your memory about a character or a scene in a game or a boss in a game or an enemy in a game. That'll jog your memory so that you can guess what the game is. So that's the way it'll be next week. But I'm reserving the ability to go back to the old clues way that we were doing it before. I just think it'll be fun to mix it up and uh, use some multimedia because this is a video podcast. Um, okay. But you're, actually, now that I think about it, a lot of people do listen to the show audio only and it won't work very well for them, but maybe that'll convince them to start watching the show. So anyway, that's how it's going to happen. Back next week. Good question. Ian Esquire, thank you for the bits, man. Appreciate it. Um, oh, wow, there's a ton in here. Uh, Squishy Muffin. Skyrim is 11 years old. Actually, I'm going to bring up the chat here so everyone can see what everyone's asking. Skyrim is 11 years old. Wow. <laughs> exactly. Wow. When Elder Scrolls Six eventually rolls out, it'll be even older. Will the series still have enough cachet with younger gamers? Yes. With younger gamers, it won't matter. No. Most you people, think old heads like us are going to lead no. the way? And no, I think because it doesn't matter. They just market it again. Most, yeah, you just market it again. Most people who bought Skyrim have no idea it's the fifth game in the series because they call it it's Skyrim. It's not Elder it, Scrolls Five. It's yeah, it's Skyrim. Called Skyrim. Yeah, you're right. Like Elder Scrolls Six will be known as by whatever world you know land it takes place in yeah and that'll be that yeah i think you're right and and you can you it's like it doesn't really it's massive it doesn't matter anymore no you can market anything to anyone if you have enough money and you're smart enough you can mm -hmm. sell an ice cube to an eskimo you just can and these game publishers are really good at it so yeah i don't think it'll have any i don't think the cachet with younger players matters no. anymore you can create the cachet very quickly yeah they'll play what the cool thing is all it takes is one trailer at some 
convention or mm-hmm. in a state of play or whatever. And or the ability to play it off Game Pass yeah. for free. Like there's no is there's no barrier to playing Elder Scrolls Six. There will not be a problem. You know, there. now that I think about it, Matt, are you surprised that Microsoft hasn't launched its own version of like a direct? Um It doesn't really do it. Doesn't really have that, no. That's weird. I never thought They don't about have anything that. to show yet. What? They don't have anything to show yet. I guess, but I'm just saying in I general. Think might, well, I think like, why hasn't it happened? It happened. Well, I think they might once they finally start rolling stuff out on a regular basis from these new acquisitions. Yeah, like next year, I'd say keep an eye yeah, out. Yeah, something to look forward to. It'll be interesting to see how they do it. Although it at this point it seems like it's settled law. Like there's just a way that they do it. Like Nintendo started it, and now mm-hmm. PlayStation does basically the same thing. So I wouldn't expect like some crazy like revelation or anything. Uh, next up, Congrim One Shane. Better Call Saul's last season starts in a few weeks, and I know you're a fan. I think Matt is, too. Before it starts, and any leaks start to trickle out. Actually, the reviews popped up yesterday for the last season, and I did mm-hmm. not read them. Uh, but anyway, before leaks start to trickle out, any predictions or thoughts on who survives and who will meet their end as it concludes? Oh, Well, obviously, he can't die. Because he needs to carry on. Yeah, everyone who's in Breaking Bad is probably going to be fine. But she's going to die. I mean, she's not in Breaking Bad, and it they're together. Mm-hmm. So either she dies or something really awful. And I think that's the whole thing with this season, is that you know that something bad is going to happen with her. Mm-hmm. Either she's going to die. In, in the last season, she started getting mixed in with the criminal element, where she was shielded from it before. And not only... Do is she not bothered by it? At first, she kind of was, but eventually, she embraced it, and she became kind of the aggressor in that circle. And so, that was the precursor to what everyone I think knows is that something bad is going to happen to her in this season. I don't know what it is, but it's been bothering me thinking about it because I love that character. I love her. I love that actress. She's really good. Um, so I think that's probably what I would guess is going to happen. But I'm like really dreading like seeing it happen. Uh, but that show is great, by the way. If you guys uh, have not, if anyone watching this show or listening to the show has not watched Better Call Saul, and I wouldn't even say that you need to like Breaking Bad to like it, because it is an entirely different show with the same tone, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you should start watching it now, because the new season launches here in like two weeks, I think, and it's the final season. So I've actually been watching lately on youtube some of the iconic scenes from breaking bad like i just watched the gus death scene yesterday Hmm. which is just the way they shot that is just masterful yep it just one of the best scenes in a tv show in the last 10 years i think Mm -hmm. he walks out of there and you're like no way he freaking lived in the camera straightens the tie (laughs) it's so great it is so great he can't can't go out looking like a mess yeah he straightens his tie If you have not watched that show, what is wrong with you? It is literally, in my opinion, one of the best shows ever made. And there's so many seasons to watch. And then Better Call Saul is just like this different but kind of the same awesome spinoff. They're they're both great. Um, Next level. What do you both think of Elden Ring? Is it a 10 out of 10 experience for you? I think we've talked about this already. Yeah. No, it's not 10 out of 10 for either of us. It's not a 10 out of 10 experience. It's really good, but... yeah. Um, I've never given a 10 out of 10 in my entire career. I would love to play the game that I eventually... I hope before I die, I play a game that I believe is a 10 yeah, out of 10. My neighbors definitely know it's not a 10 out of 10 experience. For 
Uh, here's a funny one. Zed Saber, what's your favorite hoagie from a sandwich shop? Yeah. First of all, you called it a hoagie. Mm-hmm. And that, like, nobody here calls things hoagies. No. Like, that's an East Coast thing. Yeah. They're, they're, here, they're, they're submarine sandwiches. Submarine sandwiches, sandwiches. yeah. Or just a sandwich. I'm, yeah, or a sandwich, yeah. I would imagine you would call it a grinder. No, they call it no. hoagies back on the back East, Coast. East Coast. In fact, I... <laughs> where, is it, where are they grinders? I thought that was, like, a Philly thing. I think a grinder is a very specific kind of, kind sandwich, of sandwich where they literally grind the meat up. Okay. I think it's, like, lamb that's, like, ground up for a grinder. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the East Coast, they call them hoagies. And I, in fact... In high school, I had a friend whose nickname was Hoagie. <laughs> I still don't know where he yeah. got it, but he never got a date. I-, I feel so bad for him. I'm like, that's the worst nickname you could have, Hoagie. But anyway, um, another one from Next Level. Shh, that's a, This is a good one. What is going on with the lack of games from Xbox this year? I mean... The, the pipeline's not there yet. It's just not... The pipeline's not full yet. And as we just talked yeah. about with Undead Labs and some studios are having issues like... Like Hellblade? Where the hell's that game? Yeah, some, some you want to talk about finding the game. I think that's happening there, yeah. too. Uh, so there are a couple examples of where I'm like, hey, what the hell's going on there? But for the most part, like, the acquisitions, like, end of the year, next year, once we get to next year, you're golden forever. Mm-hmm. You're golden forever. Well, I think we knew this year was going to be a little rough. They had a great year last year, though. They won Platform of the Year from both Matt and I in our Game of the Year awards. Um, but this year, agreed. It has been barren. But... You got Game Pass, keeping things yeah. afloat. Even with Game Pass, it's been pretty it's sparse. Tough. Yeah, I hear you. So if you're someone who bought an Xbox Series X instead of a PS5, yeah. and you don't I mean, have it's a PS5. still definitely, as we say, the daily driver. Yeah. You know, it, I, I've played Tiny Tina and and Star Wars and Elden Ring on it, and you know that's all been great. I did have to repair my Elite controller this week. Oh yeah. My uh, the left bumper was off and weird. I mean, I I was like, okay, I probably pressed this. But this bumper a thousand or more times to cast spells in Elden Ring in the course of the last week and a half. So, yeah, sure. And so I ordered a repair kit for it. I opened the thing up, and like the turns out, those bumpers at the top are all connected by a thin, thin plastic piece. And the left bumper snapped off that piece. It huh. was stressed enough that it snapped, and that's why it felt loose. But it was still being working, it was still held in because of the tightness of the construction. So I had to take it apart, put a new piece in, close it up. It works like it looks like new now. Matt, that's what you get for spending over $100 on a controller. Yeah, well, you notice I didn't just go buy another one, did I? <laughs> I got a $20 repair kit and saved that shit. It should have lasted longer than that. You spend that kind of money. I mean, I've had that controller for years. It's been yeah. a long time. Yeah. But it, it I mean, I did press that button, button, bumper button a lot in the past month. Yep. Probably more than I in the rest of the life of the controller combined. Um, Ian Esquire, he dropped some bits and then he asked a question. That's how you should all do it. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, when's the next batch of Pack Fact happening? It's happening right now. We are asking for questions right now. In fact, go ask a question right now, Ian Esquire. You can ask it on sifted.net. You can't miss it. It's like the top story on the website right now. You can go to our YouTube channel youtube.com slash sifted games and click the community tab you can ask it there you can follow us on twitter at sifted games we put out a tweet yesterday asking for questions million places to do it in fact everyone when this stream closes in like a minute or two which it is going to go ask a question for pactor factor right now because we have a day left before we shoot we're shooting on thursday which means that probably the first episode from the new batch will be live on friday for all our patrons so there you go uh, let's see. We'll take one more. 
Meloac. I'm telling you right now, Shane, if you include any part of the main characters, everybody's going to get it right away. LOL. I'm not even sure what he's talking about there. In the screenshots for... You're, you're still oh, in the oh, part oh. where you're talking about name that game. Name that game. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, okay. We'll finish with this one. Oh, The Legacy. Thank you for Twitch Prime, brother. Um, has Matt seen Morbius? That movie is getting lit nope. up. You haven't seen it? I will not see that until I can see it for free or something. I mean, that, that's it's just Sony garbage. Uh-huh. Is that really true? Is that what it is? It's just more Sony movie garbage. Yeah, it's not MCU. It's just it's just Sony trying to use their stupid villain solo. Thing. It's like Venom, except this one doesn't have Ed, you know, um, uh, Tom Hardy doing a tour de force comedic like back and forth performance with his own head. It's uh, Jared Leto being a dick. Um, <laughs> you see the thing where the the, the, the director was a bizarre interview with the director yesterday or the, where um, or the day before where he was talking about a like the the interviewer asked like there were rumors that like they had to do a thing cuz like cuz Leto was so being so method about playing Morbius that he was like using a cane to limp to the bathroom between takes oh, and it was taking wow. like, it was taking him like 45 minutes to get back and forth to pee and so finally the 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 crew like made a compromise with him and said we'll just push you in a wheelchair so you can get there and back like faster so we're not wasting so much time and the guy asked him is that true and the director just said yes wow like and then had a you know follow up thing about it. Oh, he's so passionate about it. He's very uh-huh. dedicated. Right. It's like you know, dude. Yeah, totally worth it, wasn't it? Like <laughs> as Lawrence Olivier said to Hoffman in Marathon Man, why don't you just try acting, dear boy? Yeah. Um, and uh, there was another thing where they t- started talking about like the Vulture being brought in, you know, through the multiverse thing, and what that's all about because they've talked about the post credit scenes already for like. Like they, the, the director talked directly about like they, it's like they desperately want you to go see that movie. Like they're, they're, they are, they're not keeping anything under wraps. They're not getting, and they're like, well, why? How did he end up there with it? And he's like, oh, well, he's, and basically the guy gave Sony credit for inventing the multiverse because Sony Spider Man into the into the into the into the Spider Verse. And I'm like, no, that's been a concept in comics for like longer than I've been alive. Yeah, dude. like I don't think that's yeah, I'm thinking of Sony credit for that. And like, well, then like also like um, they're like, how come? Like Vulture proposes teaming up against Spider-Man at the end of the movie when Spider-Man hasn't been involved with anything and didn't do anything to Morbius. And as far as we know, Morbius it doesn't dislike Spider-Man at all. And he's like, well, you know, I think that's a thing you maybe put in another movie later to explain that. And it's just like, really? Like, you, you just don't know. Do you? Also, like, in Venom, Venom doesn't know who Spider-Man is. Like Spider Man has not existed in this universe. Like when when the at the end of Venom Two, where the suit shows him the the shot of Spider Man from the MCU, he's like, "Who's that?" Like they don't know who that is. Hmm. And the only reason the Venom suit knows about it is because the Venom symbiotes have knowledge of the multiverse from their their like king of symbiotes or something. And so now all of a sudden, I guess there is a Spider Man in the Sony verse, and we're gonna go with that. Oh, look, man, this it's it's our it's not performing particularly well. It's, yeah, it's doing terrible, and critics have railed it. Oh, it's got the lowest, I think it's the lowest Metacritic <laughs> score of any superhero movie since, like, the Fantastic Four, yeah. Josh Trank disaster. Uh-huh. And um, and then beyond that, uh, I mean, the next one, they're already shooting Craven, and I can't even imagine what a Craven the Hunter solo movie like. No one even cares about that character, barely. When I mean, he's in Morbius, I didn't care about it at all. No, Morbius is an extremely uh, obscure cut, too. Like, I've, I have, you know, I've been reading comics since 1979, I have never read a solo Morbius story. Yeah, like I, I have think they're no just idea. running out of characters. It's not that they're use. they're not running out. It's all they have the rights to. Uh, like they're, they're, you're dealing, the, gotcha. they don't they don't need to consult with Marvel 
studios for the rights to use the villains because they have the spider-man license that covers all that so they can use that or black cat or silver sailor so the next one's that and then after that they're doing madam web i bet you don't even know who that is i don't yeah. uh, madam web actually did show up in um shattered dimensions oh in Sh- the, the, the 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 video game mm-hmm. or like the four spider-man come together yeah. she's the weird old lady in the in the chair in the middle of the void that is like orchestrating all of it that's madam web and so this rumor is that this this new movie is going to basically be their version of Doctor Strange, which does like the whole multiverse thing, and that might be where they pull in a Spider-Man uh, from another multiverse to be part of their universe. Which, and the rumor is that they're going to try to get Andrew Garfield to do that. Uh, um, which would be nice to see Andrew Garfield get a second shot at the role because I think he was very good in No Way Home, and he's got a good Spider-Man in him. It's just that the movies he was in were garbage. But I don't think the movies he'd be in now are would be anything different because it's still Sony calling the shots. Okay. Um, and the, the upshot is, at some point, uh, Disney finally needs to write Sony like a $5 billion check. <laughs> just get rid of them. <laughs> and just get Buy Spider-Man out. back. Buy it's just, yeah. Well, And also keep in mind um, that because of the way the contract works, if someone else buys Sony, the Spider-Man rights automatically revert back to Marvel. Oh, and the reason That's you, an angle. Which is interesting. The re, and everyone's like, oh my God, why would you agree to that deal? The reason you agree to that deal is because it makes you less attractive as an acquisition. Right, yeah. You don't want someone to buy you. Yeah. You put that in there. And so it's like, oh, if you buy us, you don't get the thing that makes us a billion dollars every three yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. So it makes them a less attractive. Because otherwise, you're just left with the Uncharted movies. And nobody <laughs> wants that. Uh, okay, that's it for Game Phase 295. Thanks to everyone who was on the chat and watched the show all the way through. You guys are awesome. You asked great questions at the end. I did see someone ask about Twitch Prime, how to do it. Go to, again, youtube.com slash games. Go to any episode of Game Phase or Pactor Factor, and there are step-by-step instructions on how to hook up Twitch Prime. It's like a three-step process to do it the first time. Once you've done that, you never have to do it again. You just go to twitch.tv slash games and just click the drop down on the right. And at the very bottom of the drop down, you just select free subscription with Twitch Prime. And that gives us a free $2.50 every month. But you do have to go and re-up it. However, if you watch the live stream here on Twitch, you're going to be reminded to go and do it because everyone else is doing it. So um, once you go through that, and I admit it is a pain in the ass to sign up for the first time. Uh, after you do that, you're golden, and it's just clicking basically one button from then on. And we'd really appreciate if you do that. Again, it's if you have Amazon Prime, you can give us free money, and we really need it right now. We'd appreciate it. But really, the best thing you can do is go to patreon.com sifted and drop a pledge there. And that will automatically renew every month. For $4 a month, you get all our content early, except for Good Morning Gaming. However, as a patron... You have the exclusive on the podcast feed of Good Morning Gaming, which is how you should consume the show. I designed the show to be in your podcast feed, sitting on your phone when you wake up in the morning, and then you can listen to it as you're getting ready to go to work or as you're commuting to work. And I've got a lot of feedback from people who are like, that's exactly how I listen to the show, and I love it for that. And again, that is exclusive to patrons. We do publish it for free on YouTube to hook up our YouTube fam when we can. Um, but I think that's it. Another awesome episode. Thanks to everyone who watched on the stream. Thanks to all our patrons who make this possible. We'll be back here next Tuesday at twitch.tv slash games. We're here every week at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Until then, Game Face is up and out.